everybody and welcome to this week's Conversation Street. This is episode 523 for the episodes of Corrie between the 16th and the 20th of May. That's episode 10,640 to 10,645. I am Michael and I'm here with lovely Gemma. Say hello Gemma. Hi. Hello Gemma. And yeah, how's everybody doing? Are we alright? Are we alright this week? You alright Gemma? Yes. Alright, alright. Oh. I'm a bit tired this week. I've been really bad at sleeping this week. <laughs> I'm getting like an average about four hours a night, maybe. It's not so good. I'm playing my game too late, and I told Gemma I instructed her to wrestle the controller out of my hands last night, although uh, it wasn't needed. Luckily, no, you I was. Went to bed early. I was very, yeah, I went to bed at eleven o'clock. You fell asleep so um, playing it. Yeah, I just, oh, I just, mm, it's not so good for me. Is is if you're supposed to die young if you don't get enough sleep. Is that a thing? Uh, just somebody comes and kills you, yeah. Oh, okay. You've, you've had enough life. Stop living in the evenings. Stop being awake. Well, I'm going to not remedy that tonight because we're going to be here for the next couple of hours talking about this week's Coronation Street and stuff. And oh my gosh, there's another cabin extra at the end of tonight's episode. It's becoming a regular feature now. Um, but we have got a lot more to talk about before we get on to that, including Gemma, you had some quite exciting things through the post today, didn't you? I think we need to share your, yes. your news with everybody. Yes, I am now an award-winning marmalade maker. Not an award-winning podcaster. <laughs> oh no! But an award-winning marmalade maker. That's so right. So this was so was this like a a jubilee kind no. of competition? Was it not? No. Oh okay, that's good. Everything's like everything's jubilee at the moment. What was it? No, that it was just um they do, they do it every year. I've been wanting to do it for years. Who do it? Um, Fortnum and Masons. Was no, it? they do it with Fortnum and Mason. It's D- Dalmain, I don't know how you say it. It's like a country estate. Yeah. And they do like a charity marmalade. It's International Marmalade Awards every year. And I was like, oh, <laughs> International okay. Marmalade they Awards. They have um, different, yeah, they have an international category um, where you can uh, compete against Australians. Oh. Um, but uh, I got, uh, I entered five jars and t- today I got through the post four certificates. That's really cool. I got three certificates of merit and one bronze award. That's really, really cool. I'm, I'm really so proud chuffed. of you. You should be chuffed. It's amazing. And this is the first <laughs> well, time you've even helped. ever made marmalade, wasn't it? No. Wasn't it? No. Otherwise, oh. It was the first time I've ever made marmalade because I helped. It's the first time you've ever seen me make marmalade because you don't pay attention to what I do. Well, no, I, I was helping with the marmalade making. No, you didn't. My mum helped me. No, it's totally me. I helped you. I was standing in the kitchen back there and I was holding things and spooning things. Okay, well... One I of the totally next... was. And I didn't even try and take credit for this. Well, you're doing it now on I... the podcast. Yeah. No, so you've been nice all day and not said anything and then oh, as soon I'm... as I start recording, you're like, I it's my award No, well. I'm, not, I'm not actually taking credit for your award. It's very, very actually, good. My but I definitely did help a little bit. But it's well, well done, Gemma. Well, you've just taken the shine off of it. Why? By sullying the award with my own um, my I was own trying to get, take praise for it and saying I'd never made marmalade before. I, I, didn't, I'm not, I didn't eat any of it. You I don't even know. You I don't, don't even like marmalade. It's a bit <sighs> grim. But it's good. Oh, I didn't mean to spoil it for you. I'm so sorry. Let's, let's get in the mood lighting up again, Gemma, with a lovely quiz. Do you have a quiz for No, me we've got week? to do corrections. Are we going to do the corrections now, are we? <laughs> I was going to leave it until the Fizz and Phil story. No, we've got to do it now up front. We've come got to right be, out up front. We've got to own our, our <laughs> stupidity. Oh, well, it's mostly mine. Because I thought... 
I thought that maybe Fizz and Phil did actually go down to Wales to film those scenes <laughs> at the house make last any week. Sense why they would do that? <laughs> no, I know, no, it, it doesn't, does it? Um, it, it? It turns out. That <laughs> it was I, just I a believed joke. a joke on Facebook where somebody said, "Look, here's me outside Fizz and Phil's house." But it actually wasn't. It was in Didsbury. If we'd actually looked, it probably didn't look didn't anything look really like, like it. It's it was just a big fancy house. It's just a house. big fancy house so, on the corner. Well, don't but, even think Fizz's house is on the corner. I don't think it is. I so I'm very sorry for anybody that I misled last week <laughs> with my incorrect geographical information. This is the first and only time, well, obviously, in 10 years, the Coronation Street has ever said anything wrong. No, Conversation Street. Conversation yeah. Street has ever said anything wrong. So, um, well, yeah. it's the first time I've ever had to do a Coronation Corner. Anyway, um, yeah, apologies to everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody who's like, I'm going to go on a Corrie tour, I'm going to go to South Wales, I'm going to spend the day touring around the streets of Cardiff so I can get a, a selfie with maybe Jen McAlpine or, or um, you See, know... See, I even Googled Alan it and I was like, I can't, I can't find this place. Why is... <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was Al, didn't it? He posted a picture of himself going, oh, mm. it's... I'm at Fizz's house because it was funny to him because it looks like the house from Sarah Jane Adventures which is filmed in the south of Wales which makes sense because that's where they filmed Doctor Who but yeah. they don't film they don't film Coronation, Coronation Street, Street in there. South Wales do they? <laughs> no well, in my head as well, like whenever they go to Wales on Coronation Street I go that looks like a long way but then when you look at it on the map Manchester and North Wales at least aren't that that far apart are they? So I thought oh you know what's the difference North Wales, South Wales nice little journey out it's there. a whole country yeah so sorry, everybody. Um, yes, so we poor, were wrong. Poor old Al, like, sent us. Are you going to play at the end? He sent oh, no, us I a could message. Do. He, he sent um, us a, to, like, yes, apologise. But it's it like, it wasn't your fault. It was our fault. We're just going, oh, okay. <laughs> to be fair, it was sent in the middle of Coronation Street. And already, Coronation Street watching is a bit of a stressful experience for me because I'm watching. Sometimes I'm eating. I'm tapping away at my notes as well. And then I saw this message pop up on Facebook saying, hey, look at me. It's like, fine, I will keep that as a bit of trivia podcast exclusive move on <laughs> without engaging my brain this so, is why you can't trust anything unless it's from Coropedia mm. but anyway if anyone um, wants to go to Didsbury and find Fizz and Phil's house then uh, you go right ahead because apparently it's there somewhere and that is the end <laughs> of Correction Corner let me um, let's, let me try and redeem myself Look, by my idiocy Gemma, it's fine by, we're um, sorry it's okay we hope that you forgive us they will, they um, will. I hope it's It's just a funny, silly thing. And yes. we don't um, ever get anything else wrong, so okay. we can be excused for once yeah. in 10 years. So <laughs> we have to wait till the clock right. ticks over to do it again. Okay. What, until then? That 20, August. 2032. Oh, okay, okay. Right, quiz. Yes. Things that happened between the 16th and the 20th of May, and years ending in a two and a seven. Mm-hmm. And I got this from coronationstreet.fandom.com, which never gets anything wrong. Definitely not. Absolutely not. No corrections there. Go on, go on. What? No, nothing. No, I don't think they do. I think they're perfect. Were you going to say something? No, I think I saw, I think I was reading on Cor- uh, on Coropedia the other day and I think I saw a spelling mistake. But that's it. <laughs> we don't make any spelling Michael, mistakes on this either. Michael, you often say the wrong name. I know. I'm really, I've heard myself. I've been really bad recently just saying the wrong name of a character. Not even like getting the actor and the character wrong. Just saying a random other person in the story. Yes, I'm kind of getting old. My brain's going. It's not where it was. I don't think we're going to make it another 10 years. I'll be senile. Oh, I hope not. Right, come right, on 16th then. 16th of May, 1962. Why does Ina Sharples writing to Prince Philip cause a stir? Oh, this was when um, Coronation Street mentioned the name of a royal 
wasn't it, on, on the show, which you weren't allowed to do back then. You had to, you weren't allowed to mention any particular royals by name. But any, Ina did. Any living royal family member not yes. allowed in TV drama production. And, and they kind of just, yeah, yeah, that's right. It wasn't a Corrie rule. It was a general TV rule, yeah. wasn't it? But then it just kind of fell out of fashion. And I don't think it was ever decreed, now you can mention the Queen. Now you can make fun of Prince Andrew or anything <laughs> like that. People just were like, this is a silly rule, isn't it? I can understand um, why they might have thought that, uh, you know, people might have been cheeky and gone, oh, the Queen loves this. It's her favourite mm. marmalade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably why they didn't want probably. it, but it's fine. Um, 16th of May, 1997, Jack and Vera win a rigged raffle ticket to which destination? Oh, I don't remember this. 1997, what's going on there? Oh, ah. Ooh. It was... Ah. I'm going to say Spain. No, it was Las Vegas. Oh, 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 God, I found out. Of course it was. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of they did go there. 17th oh, well. of May, 2002. Which couple does Richard Hillman con out of £20,000? Jack and Vera. Yeah. They're not having a good time, are they? <laughs> 18th of May, 1977. Who do Susie Birchall and Gail Potter enter into a glamorous granny competition against her will? Elsie Tanner. How did you know that? That's, I, I, that's a bit of trivia right now. Oh, good for you. It's, it's rung a bell, man. <laughs> 18th of May 2007. A fire starts in which house, leading to the disappearance of which child? Or should I say, leading to the discovery oh, of the disappearance this of was, which child? This was um, mm-hmm. in 2007. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, Claire and Ashley's house, leading to the discovery of the missing um, child, which is uh, Joseph. Wrong. Joshua. No. Was that completely wrong? Freddie. Um, what number house was it? Uh, four. <laughs> yes, four. Yeah. It was Freddie. Freddie. Freddie Peacock. Oh, wrong, wrong child. One point. 19th of May, 1997. Judy Mallet. Oh, I know her. Is intimidated by evil teenagers Liam Shepard and Zoe, Zoe Tattersall. At her place of employment, which is where? <laughs> Arcade. R. Kelly, R. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ever, had anyone um, listened to our Judy and Gary Mallet character profile that we uploaded this week? It was quite good. It was extremely lengthy, considering they weren't in the show for a mega amount of time, but I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Get over and watch it now if you haven't yeah, listened. I mean, you can't even watch it. 19th of May 2017. Who does Bethany Platt stab after trashing a house? Who does Bethany Platt stab? But who did Bethany. <laughs> I remember she glassed somebody in the club. No, she You're stabbed. No, I'm not referring to that. She stabbed a person. Did she really? She trashed a house and then she stabbed somebody and ran off. Nathan. Nope. Um, the other one. No. Nope. Uh, who is it? Do you give in? Yeah. It's Gary. She trashes. She gets locked out of um Sarah's house. Vaguely remember breaks, that, maybe? She gets in and then she goes on a rampage and she stabs Gary and runs away. Vaguely remember. 20th of May, 2007. I remember when a stabbing was like a mega event. You know, Brian stabbing and all that. Just and that, glance off you now. Penny, yeah. Final question. Okay. Uh, 20th of May, 2007. The residents realise Freddie is missing, but who has taken him? Casey. Casey what? Casey the nanny. <laughs> All right, okay. Give me that one, yeah. Casey Carswell. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. Out of seven, eight, nine. 
Seven, oh, I thought I was doing worse than that. That's not so bad then. Seven, nine, nine, I will take it. Now, whose birthday is it this week? Can we just say, I, th- I think this week's episode should be in tribute to the lovely Elizabeth Bradley, who played Maud Grimes, who would have turned 100 years old today, wouldn't she? Found that little bit of trivia on Twitter today. Happy 100th, happy centenary to the late Elizabeth Bradley. You're awesome. 21st of May, Denver David agrees. Lonsdale, he was Peter Barlow V. And also, happy birthday to Coropedia. Oh, is it Coropedia's birthday? Born in 2008. Oh, they're older than us, aren't they? I know, yeah. Uh, 22nd of May, Denise Welch, who plays Natalie Barnes. And 23rd of May, Jane Bickerton, who played Yarn Alum. 24th of May, Stephen Beckett, who played Matt Ramsden. And Naomi Ryan, who played Bobby Lewis. 25th of May, Margie Clark, who played Jackie Dobbs. And 26th of May, Lucy Evans, who played Lauren Wilson. Was Violet's sister. She was. We've been watching a bit of her recently. Yeah, happy quite, birthday I really to quite like her. Lovely, lovely. Mikey Clark, lovely. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And that is it. So let's get cracking with this week's Coronation Street. Was it as good as last week's? Let's find out. So let's get on with this week's Street Talk then, where we have got five stories to chat about. We have the Timperton story, which got a name check in tonight's Coronation Street episode. Oh, so chuffed with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably. That line was written many months ago, whereas we maybe came up with a storyline title a couple of weeks ago. But they might have thought of it. We definitely, we we definitely put it out there before they did. Yeah, before Gail manifested it into the universe. Gail called Tim Timperton today. We've got a bit more of the Happy Baby Baby storyline, and coming up next, we've got Fizz Phil and the serial. No, what am I calling this? Fizz Phil and the serial killing. Mm. Not so good, is it? Not so. I've been thinking ages for one. Like, I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, John Stape gets another reference in this week's Coronation Street. They seem to be um returning to that well. Maybe a little bit too much for the Fizz stories, possibly. We had some more of the Max Out story and a return to Halo at the end of the week as well. But before we get started on this, can we talk about the, the Gail and Eileen bench scene first? Because okay. that was that was lovely. That was on tonight's episode, um, marking the fifth anniversary of the Manchester bombings. Um, when they there was Sunday, yeah, yeah, it was Sunday, yeah. So they had um, Gail and Eileen going up to the bench, that that tribute bench in Victoria Gardens, with the plaque for Martin Het and the other, uh, the other victims. Yeah, so that, that I we, we I didn't know that was coming. Well, I wouldn't have known it was coming if the continuity lady hadn't said beforehand. I probably would have wondered what's going on here then. But I, I thought it was quite nicely done. It was what very poignant, yeah. And and that bench is a permanent sort of tribute, isn't it? That's that stays in the garden. Yeah. To you know, honour their their lives. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice that they just had a separate scene. It wasn't related to any other stories. Having the feuding, you're usually feuding Eileen and Gail coming together. They it, it maybe didn't make complete sense that why both of them happened to be there at the same time. Why were they going on Friday when the tribute's on Sunday, etc, etc. But I think the actual, the lines that were written for them to say were, were quite nice. They didn't make a huge thing of it. Just something small to a... Uh, yeah, mark the a, occasion. To, to mark the occasion, yeah. yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was very nicely done. They absolutely didn't need to do that. So it was well, like, yeah, it's a, a very it's close to yeah many close, people's hearts. Yeah, isn't absolutely it? in uh, in Manchester for sure. So no, good job, Coronation Street. I, yeah. I like it, and it's it's a, a rare occasion that real life events even get mentioned in Coronation Street because unlike unlike some of the other soaps like EastEnders EastEnders even had a scene about the Eurovision winner this week didn't they oh yeah you go, oh, we were so close this week anybody else watch Eurovision I could Eurovision? not believe it we were watching that going 
are we going to win? Oh, yeah, we, we can't had, win. That that's We always happen. watch Eurovision every year, and we had our friends around, and we're just used to like getting uh, no, no points, points or anything yeah. at the end. And it just so, so weird as the evening going on. Everyone we were like, was so excited. Everyone was giving us points. We did have a good song this year. Yes. I thought that um, you know, it you, could still be. It could be number one. You know. Yeah, I, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, I, I like that song. Um, it's. Usually, I think our song's a bit pants. Yeah, it is. And, and this year as well, I thought that a lot of the other competition songs were rubbish. Usually, there's a couple of good ones that I actually what like, was but that this year I actually from Serbia. This year, it? I actually think that the UK did have the best song. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So um, Coronation Street doesn't often re- um, mention real life things, so it was nice that it did. And uh, what's better, or no, what better, or real, what more important, fitting, fitting, suitable real life event to mention than the Manchester bombing so yeah good job good job I still I can't believe it's five years ago because yeah uh... it really is crazy how long ago it feels now well it doesn't feel that long ago but it's five years yeah yeah it doesn't feel no because we right. did uh, we did a special like tribute podcast then yeah. didn't we talking about uh, that we've got to do an emergency one which is uh, still out there if people want to listen to it but um no I think I think they did a good job Maybe interesting that they had a very serious scene there with Gail and Eileen kind of putting their differences aside. And then later on in the episode, you had Eileen like a wailing banshee at topless Jacob coming out of her shower. And then Gail being her usual dippy self by Steve's doorbell and everything. There there were some bits that I like Gail this week, some bits I didn't like her, but... um, I think I there were bits of this week's Corey where I laughed more than I've laughed at Coronation Street for a long time, and some of those scenes did include Gale, so maybe it was all worth it just for just for this week's episodes. I don't know because on the whole, yeah, I think it was a fairly decent week. Yeah, I think so too. But, but, but where is the Imran and Toya story in tonight's episode? Eh? Wait, waiting for that. We had a trailer this week. Never can talk about that later. Um, Georgia Taylor was on Lorraine today, so she couldn't oh, yes. be in both. That's that's true. That's true. We did see it. Didn't we? Let's, let, there's not much news this week. So maybe we'll talk a bit about that in the news as well. Very important stuff. So the Timperton storyline to kick us off this week, um, and there's a raffle going on at the bistro. So Debbie is there arranging it. Nice to see Debbie back on the show again. <laughs> she's, oh, it's, she's oh, great. So, come on, get Sue Devaney back on that show. She has such a minor role I at the moment. I loved it today when she was walking past and she's like, "Hey, what are you talking about?" And he comes <laughs> over like nosing in, like brilliant. I thought it was weird today how they had her and Ronnie like arm in arm I think that's the first time they may have ever touched since they've been going out for the past what eight nine ten months maybe they're supposed to have been an item they're the, the you know we make fun of the fact that oh we can't even remember that Sarah and Adam got married but I think Debbie and Ronnie are the most elusive never never seen couple on Coronation Street even uh, Kathy and Brian get more of a romantic um yeah, we'll get more romantic storylines and scenes than those two do. Weird. But anyway, nice to see them for a little bit. And there's this raffle going on um, on Monday. Charity raffle. Prizes. Get a bistro hair. Oh, no. Bistro haircut. <laughs> bistro meal. <laughs> bistro haircut. A haircut. And a trim up north meal. Yes. Um, a haircut at the trim up north. Night in the hotel. So basically, you can just win a load of things that people always go to on Coronation Street anyway, because they're always at the Bistro, they're always at the Trim Up North, and they're always going to Chariot Square Hotel, but never mind, this time they get to go there for free if they win. But the top prize was a VIP seat at a county match, where the county match, so who's going to get that? Well, um, we see a couple more scenes as well this week of Sally trying to be all seductive to Tim. She's there in the hot tub at one point in uh, Monday's episode, trying to get him in there, but he's just doing his best to resist because he's a little bit embarrassed still about his downstairs problems. But doesn't, aren't hot tubs bad for your, your lads? 
Um, I don't know. I didn't think they were the best place to dangle your bits. Well, I don't know whether like, the haven't... bubbles get underneath them and kind of give them a good jizzing about. Agitation. Yeah, exactly. That's, maybe that's all he needs. But no, she, she, that doesn't work. So anyway, they go to the bistro later for this raffle. The draw's already happened. And what do you know? Who'd have thought it? They've run a romantic night for two at Chariot Square. It's Yay! almost it's almost like the, the gods of soap coincidence have been shining down upon the bistro raffle. So Sally's obviously dead chuffed by this and prize. And Tim Steve... Lesso. Steve wins. Steve wins a, a doorbell. A, not just any old doorbell. A, a video, video doorbell. doorbell. Yeah. A, a non-branded, um, <laughs> just generic video doorbell TM. From like Poundland. Yeah. Which are good. We've, we've got our video doorbell that we set up in our new house. Um, Because we, we got this, what, Christmas last year maybe? Did we get it yeah. from Dad? And we weren't, we have not able to put it up because we knew we were moving. But they're, they're really good. It's, it's yeah, it nice. took us to like it took us to September from December. Yeah, it took us yeah it. nine nine months or so to put it up, but it's well worth the effort. We just can't get a very good view of the street on it, can we? Because it, our, our door's kind of is... perpendicular to the road. But yeah. it's, it's it... you can't spy on neighbours, but the cat does that. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, no, I I, <laughs> I I highly recommend getting these video doorbells if you like to spy on people that are coming to deliver your shopping. Why wouldn't you? I think I'm surprised you they haven't all got them on Coronation Street. It's like the curtain twitching for the 21st century, it isn't is, it? Yeah. Tell you what, Ina Sharples would have had a video doorbell. I'll I tell don't know. You Ina that. Sharples would have either had one or just thought very poorly of them. <laughs> she probably would have thought that they were the work of the devil or probably. something. Probably just sort of thought the internet was the work of the devil. She probably would have thought it's good honest work to spy on your neighbours. Why would you outsource it? Yeah. So when they when Steve got that. Um, Ring, oh, sorry, not ring doorbell. That that's a generic doorbell. Um, we said, oh, "What's what's that going to pick up? What's going to be the storyline down the line?" The bed didn't even manage to get to the end of the week without the big doorbell-related storyline event happening, did they? But um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it will happen again. I don't know. They'll probably just forget about it now, to be honest. Steve, hasn't he got CCTV out of the back of his house as they well from when to, he was trying to stop Jacob coming round? They need to destroy it because you know, it's at some point in the next. X number of years, there'll be some kind of crime that takes place that will be solved if only he remembered he had this doorbell, but he's going to forget. Well, I think maybe they'd do a good job to make try and make the viewers forget about it and not mention it for like a year or so and then have a crime happen and Steve goes, wait, I've got my video doorbell. What and about then... Jeff's camera, Michael? That is gone, Gemma. You've got to let that drop. So they've all won that prize. This this hotel prize have Tam, Tam and Silly. I can't even talk again. Sim. <laughs> 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 Sally and Tim um, and, and there's a little scene about Stim and Teeve having a bit of a banter Stim about... and Teeve? I didn't say Stim and Teeve did I? I'm pretty sure my ears have gone then Steve and Tim having a bit of a banter about their sexual prowess later and uh, also Tim's bragging about this hotel's trip to Steve um, and Sally says, well, you know, we can we can go tomorrow if you like, because there's an episode on then. And that shuts Tim right up because he's like, oh, dear, now I've got to perform for my wife in a sexy hotel spa situation. <laughs> so um, back at home, Tim sends Sally upstairs so he can order some next day Viagra well, online. Well, it's, and it's also, sorry, it's not a ring doorbell. It's not Viagra. They this didn't say Viagra, do they? Unbranded male erectile dysfunction pills online. Yeah. Wait, are you allowed to say erectile dysfunction on a podcast? I don't know. No. <laughs> I'm going to have to give this an R rating now. Yeah, so Tim, Explicit. Tim does the very sensible thing of voggling it, clicking on an ad, and what could go wrong, basically. So Wednesday, we get to see... Wednesday was just 
I absolutely loved this episode for multiple reasons, but everything that happened with Sally and Tim, I thought was hilarious. And and I've got a, I've got a <laughs> bit of a, 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 a different threshold than lots of other people for silly oh, bloody hell. Sally and Tim <laughs> stupidities. But I think this was just the right level of immaturity <laughs> for me. It was very silly, and, it was. and I got a lot out of it. Um, so he's he's there at the at the window trying to wait for the postman to get his uh, his pills through the through the letterbox. But Sally's just wants to get going. She's desperate to go to this spa and get his kecks off. So after a few scenes of that, we Tim realizes that he can't delay any longer, which isn't a problem that he has in bed. <laughs> and Tim says to to, to Gail. Um, as they're leaving, look, can you look out for the post for me? I've got a present for Sally. If you let me know when the postman's been, text me. I'm going to come back and get it. So off they go. Get a couple of spa scenes, which is a nice a, a new set. I guess that they just kind of cordoned off an area of the current Chariot Square hotel set and put a couple of sunbeds in there, but thought it would look quite nice. I'm quite surprised genuine. that Coronation Street was able to resist the temptation of having... Um, Sally tells Tim they were going to have an erotic uh, couple's massage and then have um, like a strapping, beefy, hunky man come out to, to tend to Sally and then out comes Tim's masseuse. Hi, my name is Helga. <laughs> I will help you. You need to relax. <laughs> Lay down now. Yeah, no, no, nobody else was at this hotel. Oh no, there was, there was a, there was a woman, wasn't there, that was there. But um, anyway, so they're all relaxing. Tim gets his message from Sal. Brilliant. Jumps in the car. Hang on, in his Gail. dressing gown from Gail. Said the wrong name again. This is really bad. I'm only going to say. I'm only going to correct you because it gets confusing if you don't. He gets his but message listen, from Gail. You're not the only. I do it as well. Yes, it's really easy. It's so when you're listening. It, it sounds so obvious, but when you're saying, when you're trying to keep track of everything and read everything out, it is actually more difficult. <laughs> no, Even just though we've had stupid. 10 years practice of this, <laughs> and I'm sure I didn't used to do it. Anyway, yeah, so he jumps into the car in his dressing gown. He has a funny little sit next to the wall, doesn't he? The, uh, the Seb kicking wall for a bit, but I think it's supposed to be just a generic wall. And uh, woman's... I don't even know what's going on in that scene. There's a couple of kids walking past, making fun of him sitting there in his dressing gown. But anyway, he, he hangs around there for a bit. Um, gets some odds looks from passers-by, heads back home, gets the parcel, and then zooms back to the spa again, because stuffing these pills into his dressing gown. Um, he tells Gail that he's had, Sally, sorry, that he's had a couple of toilet tr- issues, which is uh, would explain his extended disappearance. Um, and they, they have a nice chat. They kind of get the champagne out. Tim toasts putting a bit of sparkle back into their relationship. And Sally says, oh, I'm going to go and freshen up before our perfect afternoon. What do you think she went to do? Uh, she. <laughs> what, do, what do women do when they say they're going to freshen up, Gemma? You're, you're one of them, aren't you? What do women do when they say they're going to... Um, I wouldn't want to say. She's um, just going to go into the, to the waxing bit, maybe, or uh, uh, yeah, go squirt a bit of perfume she's... down there like Jacob and his link sprayed in today's episode. There's lots of things I could say, but I, I want to save everybody's blushes. <laughs> um, anyway, Tim grabs the pills and takes one. Um, so they go up to the hotel room. They're all over each other. I think Sally's kind of taking the lead in the, in the let's get to bed quickly <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you get like Tim looking down at his crotch and going, way, he's working. But then <laughs> but then it starts to go a little bit wrong with it for him. He says, oh, my, my heart's going ten to a dozen. And Sally's going, oh, yeah, mine too, baby. And he's like, no, I think, I'm, think I might I'm be really having a 
heart attack yeah. again. He kind of collapses, in a bad way. collapses backwards onto the bed, and is like, "Call an ambulance! Call an ambulance!" You you, you suggested that this might happen, didn't you? As soon as you saw yeah. that Tim was going for the uh, the male virility pills, um, you 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 thought those don't mix with heart medication. No. And um, you have proven correct. I so, I'm a doctor. Then we have the scene at the hospital, which I also found hilarious. Tim's there just kind of being really shy and saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I took these pills, you know. And then Sally's just outright plainly saying, are you talking about your penis, Timothy? And what are you going to call it next? A winky? This person went to medical university for t- seven years. He knows, he talks to people about this all the time. But it was t- Tim's embarrassment and Sal's just complete... Not caring about this was really mean. Bandying, do you reckon? Well, I get, I understand that it was all supposed to be a bit of a joke, but there's definitely a middle ground, and obviously the the the, that's the the drama of the of the soap. There's a middle ground between shrieking about your husband's penis in A and E and refusing to even talk about the fact that you might be having a heart attack because you've got a giant boner. <laughs> There's definitely like a middle ground there. I, I definitely She was felt being really insensitive. She it's, was. Like, it, it, it's she... his business to, if he wants to talk to the doctor and he want you know, and use d- different terms or be a bit discreet, then yes, I guess she was worried and she f- thought that he was being silly, but it is his penis <laughs> or winky. <laughs> It's their shared winky. They're it's married. not. No, it's down to him. <laughs> but it, if it was down was to him, well then he within... wouldn't do anything about it, would he? Because yeah, he's not been he to the doctors. Yeah, but his rights to kick her out of the room at that point if she's going to be like that about it. Yeah, but he'd have, he'd have got a massive telling off when he got home. It wouldn't she be worth it. She needs to respect his boundaries, but he also needs to speak up and not be silly and... I read this, both, read the... both of them were very much in character in this scene, yeah. which is what I appreciated about <laughs> it the most. It so, was interesting. Um, I was it, this. This is. I very thought the whole interesting thing was interesting. Story, yeah. I didn't think that this came across as preachy at all today. I thought they got the the, the balance of it just right. Like with I don't know. A it... couple of times I felt like I was watching Coronation Street's very special episode about erectile dysfunction. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just, Especially when Gail. Just, comes can you imagine around. if you if if the Curry cast of the nineteen sixties knew? That 62 years time <laughs> there'd be an episode all about erectile dysfunction <laughs> imagine Nina, Minnie and Martha sitting around in the stug and I've heard that, oh, I've heard that Len Fairclough's gone before them in the bedroom <laughs> what, was your, what was your husband like Ina? oh Ina, my, my husband well, we used to play hide the sausage <laughs> but then he lost his sausage completely and it wasn't even due to rationing <laughs> Um, anyway, so they go back home. Sally flushes the pills down the sink and says, Look, why didn't you just ask Dr. Gaddas for some pills or advice or something? Why didn't you when you known... had your appointment? Yes, and he's like, <clears throat> well, yeah, actually, I didn't go to my appointment. Yeah, so, um, right. yeah, Sally, Sally's pretty miffed about this. Well, they've had to come home early because he's had an emergency. Yes, yeah, they, yeah, they, they go home. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, the, the pill flushing was at the hotel, wasn't it? They, then they She's go in a mood home. with him. She's in a mood because he's been you know, not taking his health problems seriously. Um, and Tim starts opening up about, well, Sally, you're the one that's always got the horn. You're always the one that's trying to seduce me. I don't know that that, that was completely a bit rude. fair. I think that it the history has... mad. Yeah, I think the history has shown they're both as bad as each other. I wouldn't say that Sally is the instigator. I don't think that she's the the, the, the lead in this relationship, would you? I thought that was pretty low of, of Tim because um, not only is it wrong, but it also makes you know introduces the idea of shame 
or like you know doing something wrong into your sex life as a married couple seems like a bad move yeah definitely so I wasn't surprised at all when Sally stormed out but I was glad she did because then she got a brilliant scene with Gail in the pub and she's like at first she starts not, she sort of wants to keep in it a bit of a secret, doesn't she? But that doesn't last very long. She says, oh yeah, Tim sabotaged a romantic night away. And, and Gail says, oh. No, 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 yeah. Well, and Gail says, oh, that's weird. Because he seemed yeah. like he was going to give you a present. He seemed like he wanted to have a brilliant time with you. He came back home halfway through and picked up this parcel. <laughs> and, and Sally's like, hang on a minute, what? He came back. And then she's, she's like, she realises. Right. She realises what's gone on. And she says, right, girl, I'll tell you what, he bought some pills online. And Gail's like, ecstasy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where that came I from. I think it came from the fact that that's like the last time she was involved in pills is because Bethany was in hospital because she had a out of a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but you, we, you suggested on Twitter that that's what Gail's been popping for the last 10 years or so, which would explain her... A battiness. Yeah, batty That's why behavior. she's always so crazy. Yeah. And yeah, see, so she says, oh, is it ecstasy? And Sally's come back along with, who do you think we are, the Happy Mondays? <laughs> it's been, I don't even know who the Happy Mondays are because I'm not cool. But I thought that it was good that there was a comeback line. I think that maybe, who do you think I am, Tracy Barlow, would have also worked just as well. So Sally and Gail then have uh, continue the scene with talking about uh, the prowess. Well, they're a, sul- a Salford-based rock band, uh, Michael, from the 1980s. Topical, topical nice local band. Sorry. Bez. Oh, Bez. Bez was in the Happy Mondays. Bez is the one that does the talking heads on the end of year shows on <laughs> Channel 5, is he? Is that where I know him from? They're or probably, even Big Brother? Um, huh? uh, they've made some albums. I'm sure they have. Shall I tell you what they're called? Yeah. Lots of people know who the Happy Mondays are, but we don't. Educate okay. me, Gemma, into um, local self of music. Their first album was Squirrel and G-Man, 24-hour party people, plastic face, can't smile, white house. That's a silly name. And then they also did Pills, Thrills and Belly Aches. But my favourite album was their second one, which was called Bummed. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. Well, that's who the Happy Mondays are, for anyone else that didn't know. Yeah, the next scene um, was about talking about um, all of Gail's husbands, and Sally's like, so what, what, what were, have, you, have you had experience of this before? And Gail goes on this this incredible um, tale of the, her, her various husbands about how good they were in bed, and it was like, oh yeah, Brian and Martin, they were obviously brilliant, because they were so young and virile and energetic, and then you had Joe, and what did she say? She, oh, he was a bit touch and go, because I think I put that down to the antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, and Richard, oh yeah, Richard had some problems down there. Oh, he used to get very angry. The whole thing was so silly, and, and Batty Gale being the one delivering it. It, was, it kind of worked, I suppose, for this, but I was guffawing all the way through this. And she says, oh yeah, Richard got really angry. I think maybe that was the cause of all his problems. <laughs> so we've got the deaths of, of Maxine, like... <laughs> Patricia <laughs> yeah. Hillman, and, and guest Dougie Ferguson, all down to uh, Richard Hillman's ability to inability to get it up in the bedroom. Is it Gale's fault or was it Richard? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know. Did he have a guilty conscience? Or maybe. was the girl just being really off-putting? Yeah, yeah. I bet. Did you think he ever got called Dick Hillman? <sighs> he probably did. Probably, yeah. Um, that's, I probably to know... why he, that's probably why he didn't want to go to prison. I, want... <laughs> I wanted to know about Michael Rodwell. I can't believe that they missed it out. I was, I was thrilled. I was on the edge of my seat. I was waiting what, to hear what... about... Yeah. 
And, and then it's not difficult to make a joke out of that. I said to you, like, Rodwell by name. <laughs> Rodwell by nature. Writes <laughs> itself. Come on. Poor old Michael. He's not even important enough to get a mention in here, honestly. But I thought it was just being... I like a good Corrie, classic Corrie name drop. Wednesday's had a couple of others. I can't remember who else. Well, John Stape, obviously. There were a few um, yeah, call-outs, call-backs really to classic it. characters. Good, good and they, they can't do it all the time because it gets silly, but I really did appreciate it in that episode. It was fab. Oh, Charlotte Hoyle was another one that got a yeah. mention in Wednesday episode um yeah i I liked this i also felt like it was good to watch a couple of a mates having a chin yes it was it was brilliant and and also it was good because sally and gail have their little chat but also tim and steve have a chat too so we get to see these characters talk to their friends about their problems, which very which rarely, such, rarely happens. Such a rare thing to happen in but Coronation Street. But when it does happen, we love it. So please do more of it, Coronation it, Street. It's really good. And did it's they so used nice. to it do it really in the natural. old days, or is that just the old rose-tinted glasses talking It really did there, feel but... very natural, but it's also the sort of thing that you know people snark about, like, oh, oh, it's just a bunch of people talking about <laughs> middle-aged marital mis- dysfunctions. But yeah. that's life, isn't it? Well, I don't... You mean, uh, uh, neither of us are the sort of people to, to talk about that kind of thing with our friends, I would never talk to my... I think I, I would find it disrespectful to you. Yeah, I would yeah. not expect exactly. you to do Massively, massively. But, and... but if you have a different kind of relationship, some people do, and some people have a very, very frank and... and um, <laughs> graphic detail conversations with their friends. It's different people with different, yeah, different I mean, relationships. Sally and Gail came across as like, just having a bit of a whisper and like they talk tell each other well, everything. It's like, it's like they're at a sleepover. I can imagine them now lying on their tummies, kicking their legs in the air, going, "Oh, what's Tim like in bed?" Oh, you're telling me what like. But in this case, it was important for the, for um, for Sally to talk it through with Gail. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So obviously, there's although you know, she did betray Tim's confidence. She didn't did. She? Well, no, okay. She only got told to say it, not to say anything, after she'd already said something. I was. I couldn't remember. So did I she... think she should have just said, "Sorry, I already have told Gail, but I won't tell anybody else." Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So that that was that one, and then we have Tim and Steve, and they're just being a bit more cool about it, aren't they? So Steve. Oh, by cool, is he using cool in, as a synonym for man? No, just just been. A... They, they 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 weren't so gossipy about it. They they didn't. Steve says you're being that, very sexist. Oh no, it's just I, I just got a feeling that the that the chat was different. Like G- Gail and Sally different. were having a little let's get close and talk to each other. I know, but you're using specifically and... gendered words. Sorry, I like can't. Sally and Gail were being very frank and open and a bit more free, and and Tim and Steve were being slightly more. Um, I don't know. I thought they were being very similar to to Sally. And and Gail. It just, it just felt a little bit more like Sally and Restrained. Gail were having a, 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 a... No, this felt like they were having a little, a little quiet gossip. And, and Steve and, and Tim were just that. Typical. So, it's, so when women talk, it's gossip. When men talk, they're having a cool chat. Well, that, they weren't even talking about the same thing necessarily. I mean, t- Tim... I can't remember what Tim says exactly, but this is where Steve's recommending some books for the library or something, doesn't well, he? Well, they're being... About they're, putting they're, the spring they're being a bit more... Step functional and practical about the situation which is another sort of stereotype about you know if you if you tell a man your problem he'll try and fix it for you and if you tell a woman your problem she'll sympathize with you yeah that's true actually steve says like according to the book that he got all you need to do is listen to your partner <laughs> so um, excellent advice oh, and there then they, they talk through their issues of biscuits don't they what did they do? Oh yeah, what was it? It was funny. They They're talking about putting money in the in a kitty or something for, for biscuits. Oh yeah, yeah, and then they, that's where they got the thing. <laughs> I hear you, Tim. 
but yeah, that's like, that. It was nicely done. It was nicely done. I don't know whether Tim Very actually um, confessed his mechanical issues. No, I don't think he did. So I think. Um, well, he couldn't have done otherwise. He'd have been massively Steve, hypocritical when he had a go at Sally in tonight's episode. Because Steve was trying to help him with his like communication problems, but yeah, yeah. I mean, his communication with his penis is the issue. <laughs> he did try to talk to it the other week, didn't Get he? Get up! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you lazy thing. <laughs> Finally, anyway, Tim and Sally talk. So I liked how they had the girls talking, the boys talking. End of the episode, Tim and Sally themselves talking. And he, he tries out Steve's, I hear you, Sally, tip. And it just <laughs> works. It basically ended in them agreeing to go and see Dr. Gaddas again. He says, just don't tell anybody about little Timmy not being able to perform. And Sally's like, whoops, it's too late. Well, she doesn't say that. She gives a bit of a look. But um, yeah. Loved absolutely everything about that. I've seen some people didn't. I've seen some people did, but um, what, that was what, just right. Why did they not right like it? Or just about it was um, too silly, and it's like I don't watch Coronation Street to hear people talking about willies and stuff, which you don't. To be fair, it is. It felt very kind of risque, but it wasn't really, was it? it they were trying to. They were trying to be, you know. Hashtag speak and save well, about made, it. Well, I made a joke on uh, on Twitter about like, oh god, the graphic details of Gail's sex life. No, you know, you know. Um, it's it was it's funny to make a joke about it, but it also I really I really appreciate um, Coronation Street taking you know time to talk about sex lives of people who aren't just the sort of stereotypical young hot teens. Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Not that I want to hear about anybody's sex life, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, we've we've moaned for a little while about the um, <laughs> the TMITIM storyline, haven't we? With it, and although I'm just glad that Elaine was nowhere to be oh found in God. this. Just if imagine how there. awful and insufferable that she'd be. She would absolutely have ruined this. They did not need her there. Um, but yeah, all, all of this uh, sexy, sexy time with Sally and Tim, which has got a, a little bit wearing was maybe worth it for today because if it had been other couples that we hadn't been able to see all this, you know, amorous activity between, maybe it wouldn't have felt quite so relevant or real or something. I, I mean, know. the way Coronation Street sort of gives certain things more attention than others, you'd think, you genuinely think that Sally and Tim were the only couple that ever shagged on Coronation Street because like, you hardly ever hear Everyone anybody else. Everyone else just does it privately. Well, they don't talk about it. They don't sort of make eyes at each other or like go to weddings and then escape off down... Yeah, no, don't, don't. I don't know where they go. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, so today's episode, um, things aren't too great between Tim and Sally. I nearly said it again. <laughs> um, and the next day, they they go out. They run into Debbie and Ronnie, um, and they they said, "Oh, well, well, how come you're back from the hotel? What's what was wrong with that?" And then Sally makes out that Tim did his back in or something. So that's the story that they're going with. Tim pulled a muscle in his back, um, so they had to return home. Um, and Debbie and Ron just have a bit of a laugh about it. Gail comes to the factory later on to see Sally, and this is where she does the Timperton's line. <laughs> Sally's like, Gail, you've got to not tell anybody about what's happened. And Tim sa- uh, she says, his Timperton's? She says, look, I think you should put on a racy surprise for him. And both of us looked, and it did sound a little bit like, put on a racist surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to speculate as to what Hello to me, Hitler. Do. Surprise, Tim. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Sally has got an idea. So, in the pub later, we have Dev, who pretty much won the week just with one line. Didn't a handbag! 
so sad. There was probably lots of dev detractors rolling their eyes at that, but what, you, you've got to be a special kind of performer to be able to just, just say, say a line like that. It's and it's like important to being earnest out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know why. He must have explained why he was quoting it. I don't know. No, no he was some, there's somebody giving him his handbag or something. It, <laughs> it almost felt like something that Jimmy might have improvised on set. But the thing is, though, I think that is like people of a certain generation like sometimes my dad will just say it out of nowhere Does if you it? give him a handbag he'll go oh, handbag <laughs> I just think <laughs> what, what is the context because I've not seen it's the importance, importance of being, being the baby was was hi- hidden what baby all... is it about a missing baby I'm not going to explain the plot of the importance of being earnest to you mm. on a podcast but we the must... baby was discovered in a handbag okay they did um they did a show of importance of being earnest in the seventies on Coronation Street, didn't they? Yeah. They had uh, Emily Bishop and, and, and Ernest Bishop putting it on and everything. So he must have, must have had a Coronation Street character using that line on Coronation Street before in, in the play. But I don't know. I digress. Just any chance uh, to sing Dev's praises, I am there. Um, so they're in the pub, um, having a, and, and then and then we have the scene of Steve and Tim. And Dev spying on Gail on his doorbell cam, which was brilliantly performed by uh, Helen Worth, wasn't it? She's kind of going up there, looking a bit like, what's this here? And then, who was it? Tim calls out, <laughs> uses the microphone thing, says, hello, Gail. And then just a shock reaction. And she kind of looking scurries back. Off. She does. She's just like, I'm getting out of here. Scurries off down the street. We're not often it was fans brilliant. of Batty Gail, but that was Batty just... Gail was just right this week. It was funny. Uh, are lo- we just being hypocrites? Because... It's only funny when we say it is. Well, no, it, it was funny <laughs> when the writing around it is funny, and it's not just her saying, "Oh, I gave the whole house a bottoming today," or whatever. This is silly. I, I'd rather, I'd still rather have sensible Gail back and missed this week's scenes than have the whole ten years of stupid Gail and then getting it. But I don't know. That's just me. But I thought Gail was good today. But even then, at the end, when she comes in and spies on, who is it that she overhears? We'll get there in a minute. Um, so, um. Tim then spies on Sally and Ronnie having a secret conversation through the doorbell. Sally's got um, got Ronnie talking in the pub earlier on, and he's like, oh, I want you to do something for me. And so Tim sees them talking outside number one, immediately jumps to the wrong conclusion, of course, marches over there and punches Uncle Ronnie right in the nose. He's a pretty sturdy guy, is Uncle Ronnie, um, but so it's... It, he must have had a quite strong what, punch there. I'll tell you what, Ronnie's back was put up by this so much so that he keeps having to re-establish the fact that were it not for the fact that, here, insert reason here, he would have either, you know, lumped Tim or mm. not fallen over. <laughs> you know what I mean? He keeps going, oh, if I was 10 years younger, mate, oh, you're lucky I'm not angry anymore. I used to be really angry. Oh, you're lucky, I, you're lucky I've got a really, like, sturdy jaw. Or didn't he? Mm. He wouldn't shut up about like if only you, you're just really lucky, to, um, Tim. Yeah. It's like really, Ronnie, because you just seem to take it on the chin, literally. <laughs> you're lucky. I'm just pleased to be invited to be in an episode for the first time in six months, and I was in quite a good mood actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he punches Uncle Ronnie. He's absolutely fuming about it. Sally says, "Look, there's." You've had, to, you've had a misunderstanding, Tim. A classic curry misunderstanding. I d- offered to donate to the charity, this bistro charity. I can't remember what they what were the raising money bistro? for. Was now. it for no, from the raffle. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Ollie's charity. I'm going to donate to Ollie's charity if I can have these VIP match tickets that Ronnie, nobody I'd won say, on Monday night. No, I don't. That's not how raffles work, Sally. That's just an auction, then. Yeah. I d- 
And why didn't why anybody, didn't anybody win, win the raffle? <laughs> I don't know. That's a poorly run raffle if nobody won The only prize. people that they were able to sell raffle tickets to, clearly, were Steve and Sally and Tim. And they that's like, not how you play. That's not how you run a raffle. You only you put tickets in that people buy. You don't just go or oh, one to a hundred, but we only sold twenty tickets. I don't know. <laughs> no, you do, you do. And they say right, we're going to draw out the third prize, which is the, uh, the main prize, the doorbell. Steve, well done. I'm going to draw out the second prize here. That's oh, it's Sally and Tim. Well done. Just going to draw out the winning prize. Oh, there aren't any raffle tickets left in the in the tombola. <laughs> oh well, we'll just have to hold on to oh, it. I'll just keep this. I'll just. Up. Stick on eBay. It'd probably be know. worth more after the match because it'd be more rare. Very good point. Good point. So anyway, um, Sally marches Tim home, gives him a good telling off, and he says, "Look, I just don't want people to find out about my impotency. I'm really paranoid about it." And Sally's like, "Don't worry, Tim. No one's gonna work it out. Just keep it quiet. It's gonna be between just us. Have a word with Ronnie and smooth things over with him, though." So uh, meanwhile, Steve's with Ronnie in the pub, and they talk about um, Tim's bad back and stuff, and. Uh, I can't remember the exact things they were saying, but whatever it was, this is when Gail walks in and does her... She like, overhears them going, oh, it's a good job. Like, it, it affects us all. As we get older, we just need yeah, to understand exactly. that these things happen and it's not within our control. And this is where was her, Helen Worth wasn't on top form with her before. She, she wasn't. Like see you do better. She wasn't. She was just going, oh, oh, oh shock. Look, he's just overdoing it, oh, really over-egging sake. it. That's all I can say. Well, it. he gets a job as a director if he's so good. I, don't tell me. You, you could have done any better. <laughs> I'm an actor, I'm a teacher, and I could have done better than Daniel did in that interview. I'll tell you that. So they, she thinks that they're talking about his impotency there and then kind of strides over and says, oh, yes, it's so good that Tim's been open about his intimate problems like this, isn't it? She doesn't... No, she doesn't say... She doesn't say she exactly doesn't say, what it is. No, she just says it's the first step, um, you lads all being able to talk about things like that. Yeah. And they're like, what the hell are they talk- <laughs> she talking about? So Tim goes over to the pub to apologise to Ronnie, and he's pretty fine with it and says, look, whatever's bothering you... And Sally just need to sort it out and fast. By the way, here's some VIP tickets. Did Sally even have to pay for them in the end? He's like, <laughs> all here's it takes the is punching him in the face, and I will give and you get some tickets. Then you don't have to pay for Ollie's charity. Brilliant. Ronnie's like, to be honest, There's I don't believe in charity anyway. So you have these tickets. <laughs> yeah, her Gail sidles up to Tim in the pub later and says, "Look, I know about your little problem. I know. I can't remember what she says. She she kind of mentions that she's talked to." her to Ronnie and yeah. Steve about it but yeah it's, no, no, it becomes it comes evident quite quickly she doesn't say she's she spoken to, to the lads about it doesn't she I can't remember no. but how, however it happens Tim realises that Sally has told Gail and she says yeah she did but she saw me to secrecy so it's fine so he goes <laughs> home has a massive go at Sally who tries to defend herself saying look Gail's my oldest friend won't tell anyone honestly and Tim says no not your secret to share. This is Aww. my problem, my winky. Nobody else yeah. says, oh, he's mad by the end of the episode. Oh. And I think he had every right to yeah. be, to be honest. It's not a nice thing to to, she, to have. If you're, if you're a bloke, it must feel incredibly... Uh, emasculating. Embarrassing, and you don't want anyone to know. No, and it's not, not like, really. I mean, I understand. This is the thing, right? It, it, it would ben- benefit the world if, if we could all be more open about it and talk about our problems a bit more. But you, to be the first person <laughs> is a big sacrifice to make. Mm. Uh, it mean, shouldn't be on anybody, in, any one individual to be like, I'm going to take it on the chin for everybody else. I'm going to be the one that talks about this openly and destigmatizes it because uh, it might not actually go the way you want. Yeah, Sally, Sally should have maybe thought, but I, I think it was still within her well, character, as was, you know, shouting out about his willy in the in the, <laughs> uh, the hospital room, but uh, she just needs to eat a bit of a slice of humble pie. 
to be honest. I'm sure I'm sure they'll is be fine. Is it an aphrodisiac? <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> she she doesn't need the aphrodisiac. She's already got raging with hormones. She's sex her. mad, apparently. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Nymphomaniac. Yeah, that's uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> anything else? Wasn't for this Gail one? telling? Didn't Gail tell? T- I mean, Sally tell Gail about all of this, the out like the outfits and the things. You said that earlier, didn't you? Like, oh yeah, she talks like, about the she talks about the lucky burglar. That was brilliant. She said, Oh, was it sex, sexy, sexy estate, estate agent? She basically revealed yeah. off all the characters that we've seen them role playing as in the last. But we haven't seen Lucky Burger, which makes so. me wonder how explicit it really is. I'm like, sure that must have what? been one that Gail and Michael must have played together. <laughs> Gail's like, yeah, I know Lucky Burger. What? Do you think I'm Michael Their whole Burger? relationship exactly was Lucky Burger. <laughs> that was so funny. There must be a lot of nudity involved in that one. Do you reckon? Oh, you've broken in, and mine in, I'm in bed naked. <laughs> You're lucky I don't have my truncheon on me. <laughs> Why would he have a truncheon? No, her. She'd have a truncheon beaten to death. Oh, yeah, under the bed. Anyway. That's what it's lucky. I thought... That's what I assume, anyway. I thought that was very, very funny. Uh, I thought it was funny. It was silly. It's... And I, I'm, I've, I, yeah. I'll be very openly say you can't ever predict what's going to make me laugh. No. Some some weeks I might have Good been watching luck. this rolling my eyes a tip, but not this week. Well done. Everybody involved. I very much enjoyed that. You enjoy it, Jen? Even, even though Tim, it was a Tim story. I was disappointed that he Tim didn't die. I was like, oh, he's got, he's got a bag off the internet and he ignored the thing that was like, don't. Horned himself to death. Don't worry about, don't have this if you got heart problems. He's Died like, don't care about that. penis. <laughs> you can get all kinds of things off the internet. It was quite funny. I thought it was a bit weird that Sally was kind of insinuating that is something inherently dodgy about. Buying buying pharmaceuticals off the internet and nobody challenged this in the hospital because actually you can buy things over the counter prescriptions you can get really easily. Mm. Like I got some stuff that I I normally get Is on that prescription. My mail impotence. <laughs> Thanks, Gemma. You just <laughs> told everybody. <now. laughs> well, I've got to take some something and um, it's annoying because the way they sell it, the way they do it on prescription, it's more expensive than mm. getting it over the counter. But what I use it for is not the normal use of it. So when I got my prescription, I had to like say it was for something else, not uh, a prescription, but the, the, I had to get the thing. And it's like, we, we can write to your GP and tell them that we've provided you with this or you can do it yourself. It's like, I'll do it. Don't worry. <laughs> I just think that going online, clicking on a little sidebar advert and ordering anything yeah, ordering sexy. Yeah, ordering off a, an ad, yeah, not the sexy best. things. Don't think that's something that I would do. But you Not can, that I do, need to, ladies. Oh, no, this is adding to the stigma. <laughs> um, I, I did look it up to see whether you can get Viagra, um, uh, like, delivered, and you can. So. Oh, so... Nice research on Coronation Street script writing team. You there. can get it. Can you it's actually get next day Viagra? I don't know if you can get it next day, but it's it's nineteen ninety nine from Superdrug. Can you like get an Amazon button for it? <laughs> you get Just one put of it those. next to the bed. Subscribe and save. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most customers buy this every week. Do you get it? You got? Do you get an Amazon drone flying across, just dropping these pills in through get the bedroom an SIS windows? SWAT squad come in. <laughs> SWAT squad. Right, yes. Gemma, let's move on. This is far too racy, far too inappropriate for this family podcast. It's time no. to talk about drug adults, skanks. That's right. And happy babby baby. No, we only like couples who who have sex entirely one time, 
to conceive a child and that's the only reason and then never ever speak to each other again like Imran and Abby <laughs> the perfect couple go for it what's been going on with them this week <laughs> on Monday we've got the naming ceremony don't we Alfie's yeah, little naming christening. ceremony um, where Imran has got himself a double book because he's also got to have a meeting with Adam and evil Elliot about not Adam Abby and Elliot yes. about his naughty shenanigans. So it wasn't a proper double book, was it? It was the meeting was first. We kind the... of predicted last week that there's going to be a oh, which one do I go to, or oh, I'm going to be late for the naming ceremony, or something like that. But it didn't there was still some, there was still things afoot, but it wasn't what we predicted. Yeah, I think the main reason why I was able to go to both is because the meeting with Elliot had lasted all of thirty seconds. But... <laughs> yeah, so um, they're all getting ready for it. Um, Abby's Abby's talking to. Kevin's talking to Abby about this meeting and she is like he's he's toast he can't talk his way out of this so they have the meeting and Abby's full of confidence and um Imran's like look hurry up because I've got stuff to do and they're like no listen here listen here buddy you're in trouble um but then when Elliot and Abby sort of reveal their trump card which is Ben Ben's like don't know what you're talking about and Imran's <laughs> like don't know what you're talking about you haven't got any evidence you can't prove it and Abby threatens Ben and then Imran says that's witness intimidation and Elliot's like oh dear this isn't going very well and he leaves um, because it turns out I don't know if this this has already happened or not oh no that was a surprise later. for the okay, scene right, so in the cafe later Elliot says look Abby <laughs> it is actually witness intimidation you can't threaten witnesses it'll get you in trouble and don't blackmail Ben with a video <laughs> because that's also really bad apparently um, he said, it's over. Oh, dear. He gave up pretty easily, didn't Elliot's he, Elliot? Elliot's got a bit of a bloody pushover flaky, for all the isn't money, he? I wouldn't want him being my lawyer. And also, I feel I do feel bad for, up at for, the first hurdle. for um, Abby in this situation because Imran did, like, <laughs> screw her over legally and then Elliot's like, we can't play dirty. I just, I just couldn't do it. It's like, come on, get yourself a guy who's going to get his... He wants, um, was it Miles, was it? Ray's dodgy lawyer? He wants somebody. She wants somebody who's going to fight properly. Yeah. Fight dirty. <laughs> fight, 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 fight properly, you mean fight dirty. Yeah. 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 Like all good lawyers. <sighs> Toya and Imran invite Leanne to the hotel because they're having it at the Chariot Square. Um, there was the dead of buy one, get one half price deal at Chariot Square when they Listen, got married there a few what, weeks ago. If I was, if I owned a hotel that did functions, I would probably give you 80% I'll give you a 20% discount for your, for your naming ceremony if you have your wedding. Mm. But it normally doesn't happen, like, the next, next week. week no. <laughs> I, I just want to know what Debbie's got over, like, all the other hotel and function room owners in the whole of Weatherfield, it's considering that absolutely every event that goes on happens there. I think that she's got the deep, she's got the uh, the goss on. Them. That's why we never see her on the program. She's too busy investigating yeah. everyone else and the, maybe um, and all the all the deets. Maybe Toya and Imran won this naming ceremony in a raffle. Yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> that's maybe they did. So Abby Abby chases after Ben to ask him what the hell's going on, and he tells her that he's been offered a job at uh, the lawyer's office, and he's like, "Sorry, I screwed you over, but I need to do this for myself." He's basically out for himself, doesn't care about anybody, and now he's kind of been bribed with a job. Buy him round to keep his mouth shut. Abby's like, Gah! She watches the Batsbeeves getting into their car. Is it? Is it? Um, is that car gonna appear? We'll talk about <laughs> the trailer later. There's not much news this week. Okay. Save it. The ceremony is getting ready to begin, and who shows up but Abby, who says she's changed her mind. And every time Toya sees Abby, 
um, on the show at the moment. She's like, oh, oh, Abby, no, we're happy to see you. Yes, yes, come in. You're very welcome. But she's not, like, putting it on or anything, <laughs> no, is no, she? she? She's is. genuinely like, oh, yes, we're well, all happy family here. <sighs> She's just blissfully, she she's got baby brain, hasn't she? she she's addled by love for Alfie. She genuinely um, believes she's telling she's telling the truth when she says, I want you to be a part of Alfie's life. Yeah. But I do think that neither her nor Imran are actually making an effort to include her because she's not, she's not coming over to visit or holding the baby or looking after him or doing anything. Like if I if I if I had a newborn baby and I could give it to somebody for like an hour, I'd, even if it is a drug addled strumpet, I think I'd be like, great. Well, Toya gets she does on Wednesday, doesn't she? When she lets Abby go around the park with him. And what happens next? <laughs> right. So, um, Imran Imran's like he he he's like comes come come over here, Abby. I need to talk to you. Did you say that Abby had arrived at the ceremony? Did I miss? Yeah, that I think bit? so. Abby, Abby changed her mind. Ceremony. I said. Oh yeah. Um, and Abby's like, look, I'm not here for a oh, fight. I am accepting what's happening. I don't want to risk losing Alfie like I had the other kids. I'm I'm gonna play nice. So, um, the ceremony starts, and they like get Abby to do a reading and everything, and then the celebrant does her stuff, and then it's over, and Abby's all friendly, and and the toy says thanks for coming, which is a bit weird to say to the mother of the baby, and then she says, still, do you mind if I take a photo? And Atto's like, oh, that's fine, that's fine. I get offended if she asked me that. I'm like, why wouldn't you be able to take a photo of your own kid? Why are you asking me? Like, I'm stopping you. It's just a weird legal situation they're in, isn't it? And and Abby was just asking because she was trying to come across as being she's so trying kind to of be bowing a, and scraping. Yeah, wasn't she is she? being overly, yeah, like you say. And I just think so that, that she can come. Toya in. hasn't noticed. Yeah, just so that she can. Come but in I think and, um, it would get my back up a little up. bit. Yeah. So um. So she's like, okay, and then she takes the photo. <laughs> she's like, um, Toya, do you mind? Can you just hold up this piece of white card for me behind his head? Thank you. Yes. Um, I don't. You said it sounded like uh, people were eating crunchy <laughs> it carrots. Did. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> so she takes the photos of him on her phone, and Imran sees her snapping away and comes over and says, "What the hell are you doing?" And she says, "Oh, Toya said it was okay." And we should act civil, shouldn't we? And then he turns away and she's like, ha, 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 I have these photos, but what are they for? There were a couple of moments this week where Abby gives little triumphant smirks. There was this time, and then after the whole taking the baby around the red rack ruse on Mm. Wednesday, where she was obviously just trying to get herself into the situation where she's can... She's, she gets blamed for something but says no 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 I'm totally innocent and then I don't want she to can be smack too... the baby next week yeah I don't want to be too do I want to be too grim about this yes um okay right this is if this might trigger some people it's, it's a true crime fact oh, Michael um, Bailey loves those now you probably all know about the the um Jim Jones Jonestown Massacre where yes. they drank where they drank the Kool-Aid but it wasn't Kool-Aid oh, it was Flavor Aid yes and how, so it basically was like a mass suicide event where everybody um, drank this poison and died. Right. Or they were forced to. Mm. Now, what they used to do, and they do this in other sometimes hostage situations, and it is really sad and horrible, but they go through drills or like rehearsals. So they, they would have done this before in Jonestown where everybody drank the, the, the poison and but nobody died to kind of like desensitise you so that you think it's not going to happen. Mm. So this is what I think Abby's doing. I think that she's desensitising Toya and Imran by pushing and pushing and pushing so that um, 
eventually when she snatches him, they won't suspect anything. Mm, yeah. That's what I think she's doing. And I'm sorry that that's the most, the only twisted example that I could think of, but I can't think of any other real life example where I know that that's happened. Mm. She's, a, she's a sneak, isn't she? She is a sneaky snake, but she's also his mum. And in mother's love, Michael. Mm. So, um, the ch- chatting, Abby reveals that she knows that Ben is working for him, but she's like, you know what? It's fine. I know that you're evil, but I know you're doing it for good reason, so I don't mind. And she brings out this cuddly rabbit with a heart on it that says mummy. And she's like, can I give it to him, please? And Tori's like, oh, okay. Oh, ugh. And then, um, she leaves, but Imran looks worried. He's very suspicious. Toya is just completely fallen hook, line, and sinker for Abby's I think Imran but is Imran's like, right to be suspicious, but well, he's also because, paranoid. Yeah, exactly. He's feeling mega guilty about having perjured her in court, so he's just ready. He, he's probably well, he knows lying how awake dirty. at night thinking someone's going to. Yeah, because uh, he knows. Me, and she knows. I've played dirty, so why, why wouldn't she? Yeah, what's her plan? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's what that's what happens when you when you live a life of an outlaw. Mm. <laughs> so they get back home later, and Toya's like, "Oh, it's so good, everything's settled down." And Emma says, "Do you know what though?" Abby was a bit suspicious, and Toya is saying, "No, she was fine. I don't know what you mean." Then we catch up with Abby, who's meeting up with somebody, passing them the envelope of photos that she's taken. So. Um, yeah, she's just the same way that Tim got a uh, next day delivery of Viagra, she got same day delivery of photos, obviously. Oh yeah, she did. She, she must have gone, gone to one Tesco. of those hour, hour places. Do yeah. they still even? I mean, we got one at Tesco, didn't? Yeah. Do you reckon? Do you reckon she also got a deal on a few jigsaws and some uh, tea coasters? Yeah, a little mug with a picture of Alfie on as well. So she gives the photo to this guy to buy something, and he says, "This could get you in trouble." And she says, "I'm already in prison. This is me breaking out." And I thought that was a good line. I did as well. Very good line. Good job, Cory. On Wednesday, Ben tells Imran that he bumped into Abby yesterday and she was fuming about uh, the fact that he was taken on in the office. And Imran is kind of disappointed about her being mad about it. Yeah, he, he was... Although he was suspicious of her on Monday, he was kind of still hopeful that, you know, maybe she maybe has... Maybe she's not Maybe lying. I'm wrong and yeah. she has turned over a new leaf, but um, clearly not. <laughs> Oh, this is so dramatic. <laughs> um, Abby sees Toya in the cafe and she's acting all nice to her. So Toya invites her to join her for, for a nice drink. And then Abby tells Toya that Alfie's looking happy. And she says, oh, Seb was a good baby too. I didn't deserve him either. That was really sad. Toya says, look, isn't it nice that we're being all civil and everything? And Abby says, yeah, can I take him for a walk? And Toya's like, oh, no, I don't think... Um, well, yes, I'm, I'm actually... Glad that, I'm glad that Toya didn't say... Uh... Yes, straight away at least. She did did have some kind of... What do you mean? Well, Toya says, look, I'd like a walk too. Why don't we go together? Yeah, but she she only says that because she knows that it's not really a good idea for Abby to be left alone Well, Abby says, forget it then. Don't worry about it. I don't care. And then she says, says, I just wanted to spend some time with my son. Um, and that's what tugs on Toya's um, heartstrings. Because when Imran turns out later, Abby is away. Right, so, okay. So here we go. What, so you, do you think that Toya was wrong to let Abby take the baby? Yes. But maybe I only think that because I know what Abby's up to. Yeah, I think that's true. Because really... But the other thing... Okay, so this is my thoughts. I would hate 
to be Toya and look in, look at Abby and say, no, you're not allowed your child. Well, After all the things that she said to her, like, you'll be a part of, that, of Alfie's life, you, you're his mum, anytime, blah, 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 whatever you like, it's important for him, yada, yada, yada. And then he said, she says, can I take him for a walk? And you say, no. Mm. It's a bit like, you know, when you move house and you let your cat out for the first time. It's got to happen, well, hasn't a- it? Abby's got to take Alfie out for a walk or something on her own for the first time. But whenever you let your cat out for the first time, it's always a bit nervous. And this is like you're letting your cat... Not just you're letting your cat out, but the neighbourhood is filled with rabid coyotes or something. That and can... it's your baby, not a cat. And it, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I absolutely think Toya was right to be... Um, Susp- not suspicious, hesitant, I suppose, about well, doing it. Well, it's also and... not her baby. So it's like if it That's was someone else's cat and you well. let someone else's cat out, even if you like Although, the cat. I mean, I can't remember what the legal status is at the moment. It's still just Imran has been awarded custody. Yeah. She's not officially a stepmum or foster mum or anything like that at the moment, is she? But Toya. I, Toya isn't, no. Well, she's she's Alfie's stepmum. Yeah, she's his stepmum. Oh. She's married to Oh, yeah, 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 of course. But does, I don't does know that, if that's can, a legal, that give her any rights? I don't know if that's a legal. Yeah, no, I, d- I don't know then. But it was a, it was probably she shouldn't have made that decision without consulting him round first. But, but then Imran would have just come and should have had it. a conversation about what access Abby's actually allowed to have. I know this has all moved pretty quickly, and I, I guess they haven't had a ch- chance. But I guess the situation is that Abby has no access, and it's entirely down to. Toya and Imran's discretion, what what access she does get. Yeah, although but they have think... been saying, well, she can have access. So they must know, have had some kind think... of conversation about what that's going to look like. But you would think that the courts would have kind of helped them out in, in, a, in a way where they would say, yeah, we can have a supervise, um, you know, supervise with, with somebody. Yeah, yeah, that I would think be, so. That's the best way. That's a nice really. in-between. The best thing would have been for... Maybe Toya to say, yeah, cool, why don't you go for a walk with, who's a neutral party, I don't know. Ronnie Bailey. Ronnie Bailey needs a walk, look at him, he needs to go out for a walk, <laughs> he has to be exercised twice a day, he's a big lad. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they haven't got that far. They've just got as far as um, Abby guilt tripping mm. Toya into letting her take her own baby <laughs> for a walk. Imran turns up later and he's like, oh, where's the baby? <laughs> She says, oh, whatever, she's taken him to the Red Wreck. And what? Imran just blows up. He's like, she could be halfway to the airport by now. And, yeah, and Toya Imran's incoming. Totally overreacting. And then Abby returns and Imran storms over. Abby defends herself, saying she hasn't done anything wrong. And she just had her phone on silent because she was feeding the ducks. That, that was a weak Suspicious. excuse. I don't know whether that was weak script writing or whether it was just a massively weak excuse from Abby. I don't know who to blame for that one. But Well, this is the thing, you know, maybe she is just getting them used to her making bad decisions. Yeah, maybe. And being a bit erratic and not being able to contact her mm. while she's out with a baby. Because they phoned her up lots of times and she wouldn't answer. Yeah. And, um... She says, oh, you should trust me. And Imran apologised, saying, oh, maybe I did overreact. Yeah, and this is when Abby walks off again and turns around and she gives the great... It's a tiny smirk. It wasn't just a ha-ha-ha. It was just like a look of, like a triumphant like gleam so, in her eye. She's like, sown the this discontent. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. I wanted yeah. to make them think that I'd taken the baby and then I'm in the right. I got to be all righteous about it and say, how, how could you even think that of me? And yeah, and next week or whenever I get my passport, I am going to snatch the baby. Be, and, and they, they won't have see it any the wiser. No, and, and literally she'll, she'll be able to say, can I take them for a walk? And they're like, mm, I'm not sure. Oh, but 
Last week, you weren't trusting a me and I brought the baby back. You've got nothing to worry about. Very clever move by Abby. Yep, yep. Back at home later, Imran says to Toya, I will promise I'll do better, I'll try harder. Um, I overreacted. And then Abby is on the phone to her dodgy friend trying to get these passports, but they're taking a while. Yeah, Wednesday, the end of Wednesday's episode was the first time it was properly revealed that it was passports that she's going for, even though it was you know, fairly obvious if you, if you thought about it for not very long. On <laughs> I, was, I was baffled when she was taking photos. Like, what could it be? I don't know. Setting up a Facebook page from already. <laughs> she said she's putting them on Instagram. Alf, uh, Alfie Webster hasn't been taken on Twitter yet. So she wants to get that oh, set up and give him a profile picture, maybe. I don't know. It's, um, yeah. Oh, I was really disappointed that this is wasn't on Friday because it's building up to be <laughs> so exciting, isn't it? I'm still, I'm absolutely loving this. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling bad about any of the characters. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't like how they've made Imran a bit of a villain in the last few weeks, but even he was understandably suspicious of Abby. Um, it's kind of funny how Imran is like the unreasonable one here but actually he's the only one who has an inkling of what Abby is capable of really but it is just his paranoia mm. it's not because he has any special knowledge yeah. it's because he knows he would do the same thing yeah what do you think we're supposed to be thinking about Abby at the moment because you know in recent weeks it's been like oh poor Abby she's had the baby taken away from her oh she's got Roy on her side viewers sympathise with Abby and this week she's just blatantly scheming to run away with this kid again are we but supposed to be baby. cheering her on and going yeah Go happy, you get that that passport. I don't know because it's Alfie away from those evil baby snatching vegetarians. It's obviously a bad idea because if she's not allowed legally, and not legally allowed to kidnap, no. <laughs> but the thing is, though, you need when to get she, a license for that, Abby. Once she does this, she there's no way back for her really to get Alfie at all. No. So what will happen? What, what's her long-term plan supposed to be for this? Is she just planning to disappear off to Spain or something? I don't know. But uh, I, I don't, I don't oh. know whether she's thought about that. But if she's thought enough about the plan that she's going to do that little move on Wednesday, she must. she's not just acting on impulse, is she? Well, see, this is the thing. It's, it's a kind of it's a plot yeah. that she's cooked up and it's not going to look good in court. No, not at all, if it gets Is it court. worse than lying about her buying drugs... I don't know. They they really are all as bad as each other. A- apart from I still think Toya. And, uh, and Toya, sorry again to everyone sorry, who hates Toya at the moment. I don't see Toya's done anything wrong. She, she's just too trusting and she believes Imran and she wants a baby. And I don't, I'm still not going to hold that against anybody. She, people are still um, criticising her for thinking that she can make decisions about somebody else's baby. But she kind of legally can now, like you said, if she's married to the... To the spouse, to the, know, to the, the thing, parent like, oh, who, who has access. Who are you to decide this or that or the other thing? Well, who's who is anybody? We have a legal system and the legal system has come up with this. Mm. And I know that it was because Imran tricked them. But I also think if Imran had not done that, it would have come up the same way. Yeah. I don't think anyone can convince me that the court, which already decided not to give access to Abby, even with their most earnest protestations um why would they then turn around and give it give the baby to to abby not like three weeks later mm. when imran is obviously a far more capable parent yeah. i just don't i think that abby's just taking such a huge risk here because 
if she does snatch this kid and if she does get caught, which is a fairly high probability, <laughs> what are the chances after that of her being rewarded it again? Like Toya said, when Abby tried to take the baby, what was it, two weeks ago maybe yeah. from the hospital? And Toya said, if I hadn't come and stopped you, you'd have stolen Alfie and, and you would have been caught and you'd have never seen him again. Well, Abby obviously didn't listen to a word she said there because she's just doing it. Ex- planning to do exactly the same thing again. I think She's it... going to put her red hoodie on and think that that's a secret, a good enough surprise to get her away, but didn't work last I think time, CCTV. If Steve's doorbell camera's going to pick up your, <laughs> you up on stealing this baby, Abby. If you're if you're an Abby fan, I think you forgive her anything. And we, we are Abby fans, aren't we? We're massive but Abby like, fans. But re- realistically... In real life, yeah. You would not, you wouldn't get away with this. It's just not, you wouldn't. But, I mean, people would, uh, could probably write to this thing, well, that she's not stealing anybody. She, that baby is hers. She's just, it's just the mother's love. But, unfortunately, in these situations, you have to go through the more legal routes. I know, but the thing, like, I know people say, oh, who, who, you know, nobody's got the right to whatever, whatever, whatever. But like I said before, you're going to bet a baby's life on it. Yeah, and that's what she's doing. We, we really. accept, she's risking her, ba- her baby's. Yeah, we accept that women, you know, mothers, uh, babies, almost always better off with their mother, and we would hope that mothers would, you know, be be the mums they should be to these these babies. But we accept, legally speaking, that there are times when the the mother is not. Is it's like a danger to mm. their, their baby, and everybody knows that that happens. Yeah, and it's sad, and it's arguable as to whether or not Abby is that person. Mm. I would say she isn't really. She's I think, not been I able think, to prove it yet. But I, I do think the fact that she's deciding to try and steal Alfie shows that she's unhinged. Mm. Mm. Because she's not thinking straight. No, no, she's not at all. Um, so, so are you, because she's risking any... her future with the baby. Yeah. You know, this is is this in Alfie's best interest to be stolen and taken to uh, to another country? No. Yeah, or, or yeah, to a little hovel or something. Who knows no. what's going to happen to the poor kid? How is she going to get him out of the country? Is she gonna is she gonna take him on a plane, or is she gonna try and smuggle him in a in a boat, or what the hell is she gonna Don't do? Don't need to smuggle him because she's got a shiny new passport for him. Yeah, but the thing is though, once she goes through any kind of customs or whatever, they'll pick up on the fact that she's gone through. Yeah, she needs, so she's banking know. on the fact that nobody's going to notice that they're gone by the time that... Before How quickly the child, yeah. from Manchester can you get... Because, like, from here, from Southampton, you can get to France pretty quick. But from Manchester... Would well, you have they've to got go, Manchester Airport, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they go, she'd, have to, she'd have to go on the go there, airport. Wait I suppose that'd plane. be pretty quick. Hmm... I'm just thinking, I don't know, I think it's a bit more casual when you go on a ferry. I don't know. I don't know. I That's don't what know. I'm saying. I don't know how quickly. So we've got an airport and, and we've got like the ports and things. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, let's move on to the Fizz story then and see what has been going on at number nine this week. Fizz and Phil. Inside number inside nine. Inside number nine this week. Fizz and Phil are going oh, up are to speed dial tonight. What series. a treat. We keep forgetting it's on, don't we? Um, so Fizz says... Um, I'm a bit worried. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting is it his friends that they're meeting up with. I'll get a bit flustered meeting new people sometimes. I know exactly what that's like. Fizz, you did very well. You weren't on your phone all night. So you did automatically better than me. Before going um, into work, though, Fizz says to Evelyn, can you look after the girls this evening? So Can you look after the girls? At work later, Fizz tells Sean about this meeting coming up and he says, oh, what are you going to wear about it? She says, are you going to get changed? Because she's like, oh, I thought I'd already dressed up nice today. Oh. So he puts his foot in it a little bit. So she's all already going to this dinner like feeling a bit um 
self-conscious yeah, about how she looks. Um, and she, she, she rushes off to see if Maria can, can zhuzh her up or anything at the barbers. So um, that she goes along to trim up north. Evelyn strides in there for her own appointment as well. Turns out that Fizz has taken her slot. I don't really think that this scene added anything plot-wise to it. It was kind of nice to see another um, trim up north scene. Having Evelyn in there, probably for the first time ever, was great. Cut for Canada. I think that could very well be a cut for Canada scene. Yeah, let's, let's see. Um, Maria kind of says, oh, I'd change my blouse if I were you or something, or Evelyn does, I can't remember. But um, anyway, they go to the bistro and, um, or Speed Dial, was it Bistro or Speed Dial? I've written Speed Dial at one bistro. place and I said Bistro somewhere else. So I've got a 50% chance no, I'm getting it, it right, haven't I? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think it was maybe actually. Maybe it was Speed Bistro. Anyway, Phil's mates seem lovely at first, but this guy seems... Give him a fizz, a bit of a funny look. Like, I, re- I recognise you from somewhere. Were you on the front of the TV guide this week? Like, yeah, that's it, that's it. So the meal carries on. The guy insists he recognises her. And then, bingo, he remembers he was on the prosecuting team of her trial. She, he's like, you're John Stave's wife. Fizz is not happy to have this be dragged up yet again. And uh, the wife of this chap says, oh... Um, Graham, my husband, he struggles to, to leave his job at the job at the door. So sorry about this. I, uh, he tries to smooth it over, but does, then she puts yeah. her foot in it herself. Yeah, she says, oh, it's not every day, though, that you meet the ex-spouse of a murderer. <laughs> they kind of is if you're a prosecutor. Yeah, that's true. But they totally, totally should have had some other characters just in the background of that scene. Like if, they, if they'd had, well, Gail and Eileen in the back, <laughs> at the bar, just as a bit of a, an Easter egg, that would have been hilarious. That would have been funny because it is quite often on Coronation Street you meet the ex-spouse of a murderer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, Fizz gets, she can't cope with this and, and, and disappears off, gets found by Tyrone in Victoria Gardens later who sees she's upset so takes her back home to number nine. And it turns out um, that Fizz... What am I talking about? Fizz had never, Fizz had told... never told Phil about John, um, her, her you know, ex-husband murderer. She said, I don't, don't want to risk it. Don't want it to come up again. That was the past piece of my life that I thought the doors had closed Now there. this really, I found this so intriguing because we take it for granted on Coronation Street. All these characters have these really complicated and uh, melodramatic histories. But in real life, how famous would she be for being the wife of John Stape? Because she was... She was involved in some of his crimes. She was, I mean... Um, and how much came out during the trial? That's another really interesting thing. Did people actually work out that she was involved in any way? I think they must have done. So for anybody that wasn't prison? watching back in the day... Yeah, she did. She had a baby in prison. Yeah, didn't she? she was at Hope in prison. So John, John Stape was um, Fizz's husband. He was a, a teacher at her school when she was growing up, so there was a bit of an age gap there. Um... Was that? He was a DJ. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so they, they get together. He's a, he's an English teacher, um, and he gets himself into a variety of um, mishaps. unfortunate mishaps, whereby characters die or get killed. So you got Colin Fishwick, who was another teacher at his school that was away in Canada, and then came back to Weatherfield. John had assumed the identity of Colin Fishwick, <laughs> yeah. hadn't he? Because he loved teaching, he loved teaching so teaching. much, but he'd already been struck off for kidnapping Rosie Daniel's Webster. Like, can't relate. <laughs> and um, Colin's round his house one night and then collapses of a heart attack 
John wraps his body up in a carpet with his other teaching friend called Charlotte Hoyle. You can't trust these teachers. You can't. We're all, all what we get up it's to. It's one step away from night. murdering. So they wrap him up in a carpet and transport him round to the factory, which is just getting renovated at the time because it got blown up in the underworld <laughs> siege. I'm remembering all <laughs> this off the top of sense. my head, so I might be wrong here. Okay, well, so you make it, it, it. Colin Fishwick's body right. is underneath Underworld. Yeah. Um, cut to a little bit later when um, they have to dig up some of Underworld for whatever reason, subsidence or something. And John's like, they're going to find the body. He gets himself a job on the building team at Underworld. And in the middle of the night, he has to take Colin's body from out of there. But sadly, he is disturbed by Fizz, who's wondering what you're going over to the factory doing late at night. So now Fizz is involved. They can, I think they then together go and chuck him in the canal. Is that right? I'm rem- I think I'm remembering this rightly. So Fizz kind of has to be involved. Cut to the tram crash um, in December 2010. And Charlotte Hoyle is round with John kind of saying, we were involved in Colin's murder. We, I'm going to go and tell everybody. John clocks her on the head with a hammer. And that is his first proper murder. He then drags her body out to the tram wreckage by the bistro to make it look like she was involved in that. <laughs> takes her to the hospital and I think he was the one that said, oh yeah, turn off her life support or something like that because her parents are there. Um, he was also involved in the death of Colin Fishwick's mum, Joy, although that was a kind of mistake because he goes round to her house for something I can't remember what, but he's kind of sneaking round there and... Um, somebody comes to her front door and he puts his hand over her mouth to try and stop her from calling out, doesn't he? And then when he kind of looks down, it turns out that he suffocated her to death because she was quite old and frail. So that is how John has got the blood of two people on his hands and was also involved in carting off the body of Colin Fishwick. Um, Fizz got the blame for this, I think, because didn't John um, do a runner, I think? I can't remember, but yeah, Fizz ended up in prison for this. I think then John came round and confessed his crimes. He goes, does it, did he confess his crimes? I can't, I'm a bit, I'm not too sure about what happened towards the end, but he's dead now, everybody, so it's okay. So yes, he is a notorious killer. Not necessarily a serial killer because he's really only responsible for the deaths of two people. But yeah, you'd think that maybe Fizz might have a bit of a reputation. And the fact that Phil's been on the scene for a good six plus plus months at this point, you'd have thought that somebody would have mentioned it. But the thing is, Fizz, Phil did know about it, it turns out, didn't he? We don't know how he knows about it. And, and what's going on with this envelope in today's episode maybe makes him look a little bit suspicious. And he gave a few kind of... I am a suspicious character, please note, looks towards the camera in today's episodes. But um, yeah, anyway, Fizz is the husband, uh, is the wife of him, just like Eileen um, is the wife of a killer, as is Carla. So... Did I miss anything? You're just looking at John's The only thing you missed was that Fizz, he- Fizz helps John chuck Colin's body in the canal. Uh, yes. But when he fo- she follows John back to Charlotte Hoyle's house and he had tied up Chesney and oh, her yeah. and Charlotte Hoyle's parents in the basement. He was a, he was a bit nutty. And he, he runs John? off and Fizz like he asked Fizz to come with him but she won't. Okay. okay. And then he takes Hope. Oh, okay. So I And then it. um he visits Fizz in hospital later and gives Hope back. Oh and yeah. And then he that's jumps, when he off, jumps the roof, off the roof. Then he disappears. Then he comes back and kidnaps Rosie again. Yeah, I was pretty. I did, See, I did a pretty good job there. I think. I think, in in somewhere like Weatherfield, 
because Phil is for, supposed, so, supposedly from Weatherfield because he's a councillor. He was on the council doing yeah. something. So I think in Weatherfield, you'd be super famous because you were involved in these crimes and you also gave birth to the, the murderer's child. Mm. Yeah, like... what? Would you recognise her face? Well, she's got quite a... She's very distinctive, distinctive isn't she? She's look got really that. beautiful big hair. Yeah. you think you'd remember that. You'd think that one of his council mates... Would who... be like, why are you dating her? Yeah. Like she's a murderer's wife. But anyway, it doesn't matter. For for whatever reason, he did know about her. But I think Phil uh, Fizz was maybe being a bit naive to think that he wouldn't find that out But like her. how... But like... The... In... <laughs> if this was real... <laughs> They'd be guided tours of this place because you'd be like, "That's the wife, that's the like wife." Like you get of your Jack the, the Ripper tours of London. Yeah. This would be the uh, the that's Weatherfield the wife of the guy that was um, the builder that murdered everybody. That's the wife of the guy who died in it. Um, it, it that's the wife of the guy who, who killed everybody because he was a businessman, and that's the wife of the, uh, the <laughs> killed guy... everyone because he was a businessman. Yeah, he's that... a bad businessman. <laughs> that's the wife of the guy who killed everyone because he was a teacher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, so she's she's kind of just depressed that this has all come out, and Tyrone's lovely because they're very blatantly building up to the Tyrone and Fizz reunion. I'm not complaining as much as I absolutely love Phil as well. Um, Ty kind of points out. Phil, you should have shut his friend up when he was banging on about this. And Fizz was like, yeah, he was kind of quiet about it. Can I just it. point something out as well? If you were Phil, you should have told your friends, look, Fizz is John Stapes' ex-wife. Don't talk about it. She hasn't mentioned it. it to me yet, so I, you probably talk- shouldn't bring it yeah, up. Yeah, don't. Can you please not say anything? Because yeah. she might be embarrassed. <laughs> it was another one of those massive coincidences again, wasn't it? That, that one yeah, of his friends and like, is if the- you know your friend is like a prosecutor in the courts... <laughs> I don't okay Let's I, I'm, they should have had a scene where this prosecutor was just walking up the street towards the bistro and going I know you I know you I, I know you. you hey Imran <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, later on and Fizz and Tyrone are having a great old time dunking biscuits and reminiscing about old times together and he says look you were right not to mention John to Phil he's not worth thinking about anymore and then there's a knock at the door and it's Phil he's got Fizz's handbag he's looking handbag <laughs> <laughs> He's looking kind of guilty or apologetic, maybe, about not defending her when she, he had the chance earlier, or not just telling his friend to shut up. So he goes into the lounge and apologises for not saying anything. He says, But I, did, I honestly I tore a strip off Graham when you left. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, did definitely. you? Um, he also admits he's always known about John. He assumed that he didn't, that she didn't want it all uh, brought up though. And Fizz says, yeah, it was awful. She kind of opens up about how hellish the whole situation was. But it's fun to watch. Bill says, I promise I'll be there for you, whether you want to talk about it or not. So um, when they get up to go home, Fizz thanks Tyrone and says, you're a good man. And uh, they leave and Tyrone says, just not good enough, eh? Tyrone, you rejected her. He did, he did. You're the one that made this happen, Tyrone. She wanted to marry you, you donuts. Yep. You could be married. Yep. Wednesday. So this is where we had a lovely little uh, I love it. podcast shout out. I love. They never talk about podcasts on Coronation Street, they do, do they? But they do. They've spoken about them a few very times. Very rarely, but this felt like a, oh, a whole scene dedicated to the medium of podcasts. I love this so much. So Michael um, is an avid true crime podcast fan, isn't he? This is weird because most of the most of the people who listen to true crime podcasts are women. Well, there you go. Whatever. This is, I'm telling you, Michael, this is how you pick up chicks. 
If the, yeah, it's not worked so far, has it? He hasn't. He needs to go walk. He needs to. Go, I suppose to be fair, if I was at a bar and a bloke came up to him and went, "Ted Bundy," <laughs> what about him? He's bad, wasn't he? I think I would. Be, I think I would cover my drink and move away. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael is gobsmacked to discover that notorious serial killer John State was married to Fizz. Why? Why don't you know that? No, but listen. I'm going to put. I'm going to give Michael a, a pass here because he's not necessarily from Weatherfield, and also. When you listen to lots of true crime podcasts, you don't necessarily know what the people look like. like there's a few murderers, I don't know what they actually yeah, look no, like. No, 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 I know. But again, I just would have thought it'd be something that would come up. He's been living on on the street for two, three years now. I and don't there are know. Literally, I think he keeps himself to himself. There's murders that happen all the time. <laughs> I think it was. I think the, maybe the reason that they moved to Coronation Street is secretly Michael saying, "I want to get in with all this." tourism. It is basically he. That that could be his new thing. He's always got different, you know, his finger in many pies he when it comes do. to business opportunities. He could be the murder tour guy of Coronation Street. I would Street. love that. Oh gosh, I'd go I to just, a Michael tour. He'd be an ace tour. I guide. really do love. I really do love Michael being a true crime podcast enthusiast. I absolutely love this. It's mm. so funny. And they're like, because he's oh, so was... nice and chill, isn't he? He's like, yeah. You can't imagine him sitting there at night like he's in popcorn and then he dragged their bodies into the bathroom where I he took an I can imagine him just like going, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I can imagine him, yeah, overreacting while he was listening going, to it. And then going, mum, mum, can you bring me up some hot chocolate yeah. and tell me a story? <laughs> yeah, Aggie comes up with a, what would, what would be an Aggie-fied hot chocolate drink? Um, with a bit of hot marmite. chocolate with a bit of mincemeat or maybe she it. comes in and she overhears and she's like yeah that, that does kill you really quickly actually if you do it that way around <laughs> I would I'm uh, that would be I would do it, I would do it. yeah anyway we had, to, um, we had a bloke in with that the other week didn't last the night they're, they're saying like oh has there been a podcast about John Stape and we were like yes, yes. <laughs> and literally as we were watching this when, usually we try and eat our dinner before Coronation Street so I can at least just watch and take my notes but on Monday, uh, Wednesday night sorry we were eating whilst watching and I literally had to drop my dinner get onto my onto my Twitter <laughs> find my link to the John State podcast that we did and go yes yes tweet 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 here's a John there State podcast is one. <laughs> there is one so here it funny. is and that did I get in a lot of likes as well so thank you everybody that, that liked that tweet um, oh, do we get was... any more? Do we get loads of more extra downloads? We did get some actually. Did we? we? We had, yeah. Well, I, I checked. We don't the... actually normally look, do we? No, we no, we didn't. Uh, overnight, between Wednesday and Thursday, we had 13 views of the John <laughs> Stape character profile on YouTube, actually. So big numbers there. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Coronation. I don't want to brag or anything, but. Uh... <laughs> wow. Right, so, That's um, nice. That's anyway, good. Fizz is not very happy with the fact that um, her. Her past her ex-husband is being bandied about in the factory, so she goes in and disappears off all upset again. And um, Beth tries to comfort her later and, and, and say, yeah, don't, don't worry about it, it's going to be fine. And Fizz is like, I don't need defending by you or anybody, Beth. I've not done anything wrong. So in the pub later, Fizz talks to Phil about never being able to escape the shadow of John Stape. Um, the, the ghost of John Stape, if it were, as it were. What if these people from the other day were one of Charlotte's relatives or something? And she says, look, some people around here still think I'm guilty. Um, I just want to forget about it. Um, and then later she pops off to the bog and Fizz has a, sh- a Phil, sorry, has a bit of a shady phone call. <laughs> you were going to say something else. What were you going to say? He said he popped to the log, he popped, popped to the, to the loo log. and had a shady <laughs> <laughs> No, Phil phones up somebody and says, you got my email then? Right. 
Mm. Interesting. The plot thickens. What well, Friday, uh, Michael finds Fizz and Phil in the cafe and apologises for upsetting the the other day, and she says it's fine, it's fine. Fizz um, then asks him. Um, Phil. Phil, sorry, not Michael, to come pick up the girls after school. <laughs> you can make he says, I can't because I'm in Leeds, apparently. And this is where he gives a very dodgy look. Tyrone later on sees Phil passing a brown envelope to a, a shady-looking guy in Victoria Gardens. Don't do things like that in the middle of the place where all of your neighbours are. Seriously, go. They could have at least gone down Villain's Alley. It's only a, a short 10-second walk away, isn't it? Not very good move, Phil, whatever it was. So he goes and tells Kirk about what he's seen. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, Phil's supposed to be in Leeds today, but he, wasn't, he was in Victoria Gardens. How You can't, you can't be in Leeds there as well, can you? And Fizz, uh, Kirk very wisely warns him that Fizz isn't going to be too happy if she hears that he's chucking baseless accusations around. So he needs to be careful with what he says. And Phil uh, Tyrone goes around number nine later on at the end of the day and is asking Phil all these questions. He's like going, oh yeah, mm, well, I hear that was a pile-up on the motorway, was that? Oh, how was it in these? <laughs> Just, I, it, was, it was great delivery by Alan uh, as like Tyrone trying to sound like very nonchalant about the whole thing and just casually asking yeah, questions but, but, but not working at all. Fizz is very suspicious about what his intentions are and uh, Phil gets quite um, quite flustered by being grilled about this and he, he kind of disappears off and Fizz is like, why, why are you giving him the third degree of Tyrone? And unfortunately we don't get any further uh, with that one. So um, what, what do we reckon, Gemma? Unfortunately, I, I don't know... I don't know for sure what's going on, although I we did have somebody reply to one of our tweets with something earlier. What? No, no, no. So saying, saying, some people have replied with theories, and then somebody said, "I think I read blah blah blah," and this oh. is it. So possibly I know what's going on. Um, so huh? I don't want to speculate too much. But on Twitter, yeah, you must you must know. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so I, I hope oh. that that's not been spoiled for me. But, oh, um, that's annoying. Yeah, I know. I hate it. I, I think I just seemed until until Tyrone caught him giving papers. I just assumed that he is actually only in with Fizz because he wants dirt on John. But that doesn't make any sense because why would you be with somebody for this long and move in with them? It's a massive long game, isn't it? If, if what, Doesn't make any sense. If it turns out that all this time, Phil has been, yeah, going out with Fizz just so that he can find out about her ex-husband, why has he taken so long? He could have got all the information that he wanted from her back in, like, October time or whenever yeah, it was that he first came sense. into it. So it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't mean that that's not what they're going for in the Coronation Street script writers okay. have only just realised that that's what it is. Um, but then, you see, when Tyrone saw him and now he's on to him, it makes me think that it's going to be some kind of nice thing for Fizz, like... Surprise party! It's a, it's a holiday! We're going to get married in Greece! Yeah, maybe, maybe. So it, it, that's the sort of thing that does happen, but the, just the fact that Fizz, that Phil was looking dodgy then, a couple of times does make me wonder. But then, you know, were there to be, like I said, because we've seen Tyrone see him, makes me think that he'll kind of confront him and then it'll turn out to be something nice yeah, yeah, and yeah. then um, he'll, he'll look stupid. But then again, 
like he said, it does feel very much like we're be- it's being set up for Tyrone to win Fizz's heart back. Exactly. So and, this and could Phil be needs to be out of the picture for that. Something this could be awful the end of Phil. that Phil Phil is um, Phil is going to be revealed to be horrible. But what happened so to nice. Mimi, his mum, his I'm, annoying mum? I've forgotten about her because he's lost his job. <gasps> Bring back Mimi. He's lost his job. So how is he paying for all this? Because maybe Mimi's popped her clogs. Yes, maybe this Phil is money. Phil was off screen for a few months. Um, I'm surprised that Mimi hasn't come in and gone, Oh, dreadful, what a horrible house. Oh, I can't believe you're living in such a... Oh, if, if we are going hole. to be seeing the denouement of Phil soon, I hope that we get a, another Mimi appearance. And what was the name of the dog, Coco? Okay. Yeah, maybe something like that. Um, it, 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 like it'd be that. a real shame if, if Phil is uncovered to be a villain because he's been really, really lovely. I've, I think that we've been very blessed to have kept Jamie um, McKenna, is that, is that his name? I think so, on the show for quite so long because he came when he came in, he's felt like an incredibly temporary character, didn't he? And although, even if he does go soon at the end of, you know, whatever's going on now, that's still fairly short. But I was expecting him to stay on the show for like one, two months max. Yeah. So it's just been lovely that we've been able to keep him longer. Unfortunately, if Fizz and Tyrone are getting back together, I think that's going to be the end of, of Phil. He's not going to hang around as an extra character or anything, is he? Is Phil going to turn out to be one of these loser podcasters who spends all their time talking into a microphone to nobody. Do you think that that's Phil's secret, that he's uh, actually dirty, a true crime podcaster? Dirty, filthy podcaster. I would love that. I would love that. I think Corey was just throwing out references to us this week, weren't they? Podcasting, yep. Timpertency. Yeah, yeah. Thank they you very us. much. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just... It's and it was fair. also Michael being into podcasts as well, wasn't yeah. it? That's me. Next we've got Gemma going, oh, I love, I love podcasts too. I seen we should start a podcast Gemma's not together. Been in it for ages, has she? She left the show. Yeah, okay. But I won't. I touch wood. I won't speak too soon with that one. I thought you said you were enjoying her. No, I am. That's true. So I am how dare you, Gemma? I just don't like many of the other things that go. I around can just. Gemma. I can just. I can really honestly just picture um, a really funny scene between Michael and Gemma where they're talking about Michael saying, "Oh, did you hear about Fizz and uh, like John Stape?" And she's like, "Yeah, do you know about that?" And he says. Oh, one of my true crime podcasts. She goes, oh, I love true crime podcasts. I love listening to them. And then Michael's like, well, you know, I, I do as well, but I, I only like for the, you know, the cultural aspect and just wondering the psychology of how somebody could be like that. And her going, oh, I love all the grisly bits where they talk about <laughs> hacking up the bodies yeah. and where all the people get found. Uh, it's gross. Coronation Street, it is our 10th anniversary coming up this summer. If you want to have the characters of Michael and Gemma get together for a little conversation about podcasts on the show, <laughs> that would be quite lovely, actually. Can we start the campaign for that? Yes. I mean, the campaign to get us as background artists that's went not, so well, no, didn't that's, it? That's not going to happen, but you can get people sign that petition <laughs> I don't even what, know 40 that's pretty good I was thinking earlier that do you think that John Stape they overusing him because it's only been a few years since no. we had uh, Jade didn't we I know yeah and it's like Fizz has got more going for her than she was married to John I suppose it's similar to Gail with Richard getting married Oh, sorry, so get, getting referenced all the time. He gets brought up a lot. It would but, come up a lot, Michael. But the, the Platts are in it. Uh, uh, well, you know, they were never out of the show, so it would be natural for it to be brought up. But I, it just feels like if we, we've only just had um, the reveal of John's secret daughter, if this is the reveal of John's secret 
godfather or something that brother. Phil's secretly in cahoots with, then it's going to feel stupid. a bit samey. Or, you like know, what's, is there a possibility, and I think the answer is no to this, that could Phil be working with Jade? That uh, would be an interesting... Boo! No? I think that could be an interesting comeback. Oh. I didn't like. I didn't like Jade being... I didn't like that storyline. I've decided I didn't I like it. I thought we liked it at the no, time. No, I decided I didn't like it. Oh, okay, okay. In my mind now, what I need, and this is completely not what you're talking about, a scene okay. with Michael talking to Hope and Fizz and realising slowly that that Hope is the daughter of John, the murderer, John Stape, and yeah. kind of like getting freaked out and like backing slowly away. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then maybe Evelyn notices he's uncomfortable, and she's like, she sets fires as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he never talks to her again. I think that Michael should get a copy of Cambalo's Cartwright mystery book about the oh. uh, the murderous Elliot family and, the, yes. and all that. Honestly, I think that could be a good avenue for to take that. Oh, I love down. it so much. <laughs> I love Michael being into true crime podcasts. Me I wonder, too. I wonder what his favourite one is. Think he likes my favourite murder. Last podcast on the left. I don't know any. Because I am not into true crime Sinister podcasts. Hood. I don't think I'd be able to follow them. Morbid. Yes, we know well, well done, Jeremy. You know lots of true crime podcasts. <laughs> right. We should start one. I've always wanted to do one. We we could actually Jeremy make money out of it. Jeremy keeps going on about us starting a true crime podcast. I'd be we could make money out of it, about it. But we wouldn't do that because we're not vultures. Right, Gemma. Can you tell <laughs> us... What's Max and Daniel and that lot been up oh, to this God, week? Oh, God, do you know what? You Don't... get this storyline. Oh, I wish I, sh- I should Daniel's have let a, you. Daniel's a bit, of a, uh, a bit of a downer at the moment, isn't he? It's like, come on, Daniel, put yourself together. <sighs> go on, go on. This was this was the letdown story of the month. I didn't this. think it was too bad, but I will, every time this story came on the, str- on the screen, kind of I was went, like, uh... yeah. Right, Monday, David admits to Shona that Max is cacking himself because he's got to go to this trial. Yeah. There's the they spiking trial. trial. We didn't see oh, the it's, trial. Oh, it's an actual trial. What did you think it was? I forgot because I thought you were talking about the LEA thing. Oh, no. Like no. they would never trial to see whether he's allowed to go to school or not. No. Well, that's a bit harsh. Anyway, so the local authority has got to. They've got to decide whether they can place him in the proper school, school or a PR. So at, at school, Orla tells Daniel that he seems so down and he's like, I don't really want to go into it. And she says, Look, there's a permanent position coming up and I want you to apply. So in the pub later. Mickey and Paul, who are his roommates, to remind you, um, encouraged Daniel to, to sign up for this job. And he's like, oh, I, can't, I can't really get inside of anything, to be honest. And I feel the same way about this storyline. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, my family doesn't like me anymore, so I don't care about anything. Max is I'd Paul- forgotten all of that stuff about the Barlow's um, estranging Feuding. Daniel. Yeah. yeah, it's just not good. It's, it's not because he didn't, he didn't blab on Max that he'd spiked Amy's drink, isn't it? And 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 Tracy's really riled up about that at the moment. It's because he pushed him down the stairs and then he they, they had a double uh, jeopardy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that what you call it when you push someone down the stairs but you know they spiked somebody else? <laughs> Max's court case goes well but he's got a year's referral order so he's got to stay on his best behaviour and Shona tells David... How long Lux, he's got to stay good for 12 months, they said, I think. So, um... 11 Just, months time, he's going to go on the rampage, perhaps. Shona tells David he's being a bit harsh on Max. Um, yeah, D- David's, yeah no, D- David's like, well, you, you're lucky. You've, I can't remember. He, he wasn't like, oh, well done, Max. Everything's fine. He's just like, yeah, you got in trouble. Well, yeah. You're, you're taking it like a, like a grown-up, yeah. Daisy goes to see Tracy and Ken and, and plead Daniel's case. And Tracy says, 
Daniel's got something to say. She comes and say it to my, to my face and keep your nose out of our business. Later, David tells Shona that Max has only been offered a place at the pupil referral unit. And she says she's sure it'll be fine, but um, he's really worried about him. It's David. Back at number one, Amy overhears Tracy and Ken talking about Nikki. <laughs> later Max is told about this people referral unit and I don't know what it is it's like permanent detention no right so I looked into this okay. because probably as a teacher I should be the um, the authority on all things educational I didn't really know much about what a PRU was but no it's somewhere where um, children can be sent who for whatever reason can't go to a mainstream school mainstream. so mainstream school so you get the idea from this that it's just a school for reprobates and it's not just that. I don't know whether the numbers are mostly children who've been excluded, but it's no, it could be for children who've um, like are seriously bullied in schools and they just can't go to a normal school Aww. and no place can be open for them. So they go there or it may be as, uh, children who are too sick to be able to be in, in mainstream education or maybe they've got special educational needs that are so severe that they can't get a place in or they, they, they don't think a, a mainstream school is right for them. There's various reasons um, that these children cannot go into normal mainstream schools and the government, the local authority, is obliged to be able to provide them a place. They can't say, no, there's sorry, no there's no the places PRU. for you. They have got to find them a place and these PRUs are, are places for that. And we, we've got some in Southampton even. It's not like there's, you know, they're all spread out. I would imagine they're, there's a few of them. They're, yeah, they're, they are about. So... Um, yeah, it, so there's lots of reasons why a child might not be able to go to school. Yeah. But and I, this is like a way of providing them education because basically, the government's legally obliged yeah. to. And, and they actually, looking at the stats as well, I think it said like 14% of them are maybe rated outstanding by, outstanding by Ofsted. Or, or I can't remember. It was, it was a higher proportion than... Mainstream mainstream schools, yeah. I so think mainstream. Is I think I think they do a good it. job, and you have to be a certain type of person to be able to teach in a school like that, because there probably are, you know, Very massive behavioural difficulties and lots of different um, diverse groups of, of yeah. people with different needs. Some children, as it it's was saying, that, that are massively on the autism spectrum might go there, for example. So it's but it's going to be a place where class sizes are smaller, so there'll be more one to one support. So they're supposed to be it good places, like it, but a good place, yeah. it, it does, it does. I mean, but I was just reading it off off an internet page that that wanted to just say the facts about what it is. Maybe in real life they are actually, you know, as bad as Coronation Street had made it sound. Well, the but... thing is, anytime anything's outside the norm, there's a stigma attached to it. Yeah. So I can imagine that probably, and also if you don't know anything about it, you feel worried. Yeah. It's so... not. It's not just a school for. Naughty children. Very naughty children, although I'm guessing that maybe quite a high proportion of the children on roll are fairly naughty. Yeah, but the thing, why are they naughty? That's the question. Mm. There could be lots of different reasons yeah. why they might... And I might... guess this is a place that's, you know, trying to help... Yeah, you can help people. Yeah, that's help them mom... turn a corner. So my mum is a teacher. She used to work with children like this, not in somewhere like that because they didn't exist, but she used to work with children who yeah. had very... Very uh, challenging backgrounds. Yeah, and, and she could class. really, she could really um, get through to them a lot of the time because yeah. she was able to, because she was given the time and the space to be able to do it. But it's more difficult these days, mm. I think. Anyway, so he's been put, given a place here, and he says, oh, "I don't care. I need someone who went there. I don't even care. Oh. Um, it's only for a year." 
and I need to face the consequences of what I've done. So I guess he's going to grow out of school in a year. Yes, I think so, yeah. He, he's or going to reach something. school leaving age in a that's year, what I, I believe. That's what I took that to mean, but he's yeah. also got that probation for a he's, year. He's so. looking fairly on the positive side about it. Um, I guess the, I guess the, if I was a parent, the thing I would think is I don't really want that to be on his CV for mm. the rest of his life. Yeah. Like well, that might look weird. Yeah. But other than that, if he gets better support mm. on Wednesday, Max is getting ready for his first day at the new school. And Gail's like, good luck. She gets him a new bag, which he doesn't like. Daniel does some interview prep with Ken and Tracy comes up and has a go at him because um, he's apologised but she won't accept it. Then Amy gets upset and, and goes off and then Amy says, I'm going to tell Mrs Crawshaw no, about Tracy what you've says done. That. Tra- yeah, sorry, Tracy says, <laughs> see, <laughs> I do it too. Um, Tracy goes to the barbers and tries to get David on her side, making a fuss about Daniel and um, and she's like, let's go, let's go and tell Mrs Crawshaw about what, what they've gone up to and, and, and how we pushed... Uh, Max, Max down, down the stairs, stairs yeah. Um, and everyone's trying to talk her down. And back at number one, Amy says, look, this happened to me. I will deal with it. It's not your business. So let me sort it out. So she's being very Amy. mature. She's, yeah, she's very, very sensible. I think, I, I think, she's, I think she's come back fantastic. into her own again. Because yeah. um, I remember when she was little, she was really endearing and she was a bit spooky. And then she kind of got a bit boring. She did. In the mid-teens, she got a bit boring, but she's so kind of got her head screwed on. I now, really like she? her. She's, she's a very likeable character. She is character. a very, very likeable character. Max and comes... putting her with Jacob. <laughs> Max comes into the barbers after school. It's been her first his first day and it was brilliant. He really enjoyed it. They've got a brilliant AV suite and he's made some friends. Uh, somebody called Chris and he also has this cool girl who's into filmmaking but she doesn't have a name no which I thought was weird (laughs) David taunts Daniel about his interview that he's got coming up to get this job as he walks past to kind of um, disconcert him yeah and then Tracy and Daniel cross paths in the street and uh, she kind of like uh, keeps him hanging but then she tells him she didn't go and see uh, Mrs Crawshaw in the end but he can still keep away from her so on Friday, Daniel's interview, interview prepping in the cafe again. Well, why is he worrying. doing it in the cafe? Because he wants you've them to know a... how hard he's working. <laughs> you've got a house, Daniel. I just couldn't do it. Well, to be fair, he is sharing this house with Paul and Nikki. There's, there, there must but be there other places be... than a busy cafe. What about a library? Yeah. What about the staff room? Yeah. Anyway, Max sees Summer in the cafe and she doesn't want to talk to him. Because what he did was disgusting and he wants to make things up right. And she just goes off in a huff. And Max tells David that this has made him realise how much making up he needs to do. Then we get David's getting, uh, Daniel's getting maudlin watching Sinead's videos. That was a nice little cameo from Sinead. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's I been know. like over a year at least. I wonder since how often he those. watches them. Yeah, well, in times when he, times sad. of woe, times of, supposed yeah. to be for Bertie. I know. Uh, whenever I see Sinead doing her little videos where she's going, <laughs> which reminds me of Tiny Tim in Christmas yeah. Carol. I'm oh, no, did Katie McGlynn get a little, uh, get a little Did bit she of get some money? Today? I hope so. Um, Paul and Nikki come in, and, and I want to know as well, like that particular bit of video has that clip been shown on Coronation Street before? How much footage have they? Did they take of Katie McGlynn saying various inspirational things? I wonder whether they've got her recording, recorded her saying any like exciting plot things that would be really cool and interesting in the future. Like, 
Here's my secret. I've got to tell you something that nobody knows. <laughs> oh no, the USB file's corrupted. What yeah. could you mean? <laughs> if I, I think if I, they could have. I would have really it asked would have her very to do sensible this just I... to have her say a load of things, and some of them might not have been ever used. Yeah. But things that they could have drawn from in the future. But in the future, we could probably use deep fakes to make her say anything. That is very true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did we get to? Um, so um, everyone's trying to sort of G Daniel up about his uh, his interview. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He thinks he's a rubbish teacher. I don't say I disagree. The interview begins. He's not doing very well. And they say, what are you most proud of in the last year in the in the classroom? And he's like, I can't even think of anything, actually. <laughs> he's just like, he's given up, hasn't he? He's um, he's defeated before he even started. Absolutely defeated, that is See, true, I yeah. think this is a bit of ego protection here from Daniel. I think he's very egotistical and I think he's worried that he might not get the job. So I think yeah. his ego's kicked in. That's to go, a good point. Don't even try, Daniel, and then you can say that you haven't failed. Yeah. So the interview's over and all is like, what the hell are you doing? Do you not want this job? And he says, I'm just really down. I'm not cut out for teaching. I'm going to finish my training and quit. That's the spirit. (laughs) Goes to the pub to drown his sorrows. Daisy looks gutted for him. But David's chuffed and he's like, ha, you should go live somewhere else, actually. Your life's over here. He goes back and... David goes back and tells Shona, Mr. Chips has had his chips. What was that shrug for? Is he Mr. Chips off of, um... Not not off catchphrase. <laughs> Mr. Chips, the teacher. Is this a famous thing or is this... Yes. Who's Mr. Chips? I don't know, but it's a thing. I think it's before Daniel's, uh, David's time. No, oh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, he says Mr. Chips is as Chips. And Max is texting Chris. Is it Chris or is it, yeah, is Chris. it girl? Well, he says it's Chris. And yeah. I, don't, but I don't know whether well, Chris is a girl. Later. Daniel returns home and tells Nikki what's happened. And she says, oh, you shouldn't do this. We're still time to fix things. And he says, I'm not fit to be a teacher. What would Sinead think of me? And he sa- and Nikki says that you just made one mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. And she takes his hand and she says, I'll help you. Um, and he she, says... She, she, when she was taking her hand, she said something along the lines of, um, oh, Sinead loved you like I... Uh, and then kind of stops herself from confessing her up. love, doesn't she? I think She's we could have a future. Dashing fool. Daniel sighs and says it's not going to happen. And then it gets a bit awkward. And then it's the end. Yeah, so, oh dear, Nikki is falling for Daniel. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, just... think Daisy's more suited to Daniel. Oh, yeah, than Nikki definitely. Is. I just can't get, I can't get behind Nikki. I'm sorry. Da- Daisy, I know that Daisy is conniving and she's not interested in the same things that Daniel is, but I think she's way brighter than Nikki is. Yeah. I think that. Oh, definitely. I think that Nikki. I think she's Nikki. Sharp. Nikki doesn't read books because I don't know if she can read whereas Daisy's just not interested <laughs> sorry I really don't like Nikki very much no I'm not I'm not, I'm, I'm not really she hasn't her. won me over I no, find her a bit I find her completely yeah, un- yeah not not unlikable but just like not the kind of person that I have any interest in knowing no. more about no no um I thought that this uh, some bits I was interested in in this storyline this week. I found the um, the interview kind of interesting slash amusing. The fact that, you know, it's very nice that they gave Daniel the chance to be in his home turf, in his own classroom for the interview, rather than, I don't know, the head teacher's office. And it's very nice <laughs> that it was Mrs Crawshaw, the deputy head, who was the one doing the interview, rather than 
I don't know, the head teacher who maybe did it. And uh... I think that I think Orla Crawshaw has has joined the ranks of the Weatherfield serial killer. Possibly, you're right. I think Mr. Griff is, Griffin is underneath the uh, into the, the people referral unit or something. Um, yeah, it was possibly not the most realistic of teaching interviews, and the fact that he had to wait until three o'clock to go there as well. Surely a teaching interview is going to involve like watching him teach something or even didn't didn't Nikki when she got the job there she had to be observed um interacting with a group of children didn't she so but I guess all her watches them all the time so what's the point but it's only fair anyway um do you think do you think he is going to quit teaching is this the end is he and should he He's, he's useless, isn't he? I think he I, should. I really liked the idea at the beginning of Daniel being a teacher. I think it's nice having a teacher, the, the fact that he's following in his father's footsteps because Daniel is definitely a mini Ken in very many ways um, because they like to hit children. <laughs> <laughs> but he Who is, doesn't? He's totally, you know, thinking about it, not suitable. He's pushed a kid down the stairs. He's, got no, he's, he's roughed them up, like when he was going inside Max's backpack that one time. He's totally, totally not suitable. He's really also unable to, to, like, draw a line between his social life and his school life. He's yeah. way too involved in the children and what they're up to. Well, he one particular child, really. He he's just obsessing. obsessed with Max. And, and also, I don't know that it's necessarily appropriate that he... Some people can cope with it, but I don't think he can, knowing the children outside of school. Yeah, no. But I think he needs to go to a school that's nowhere near where he lives. He does, but but equally, he is also very new to the job and he's got plenty to learn. I think on the teaching side of it, we're led to believe he's actually quite good and he's certainly got the, the subject knowledge and everything. I, I, I mean, we haven't actually seen him do much teaching, have we? He's just too wrapped up with... with drama yeah I think that he should yeah you're right he should just get a job at another school yeah um, where he doesn't know anybody and actually try and and do teaching and not just lurk around coffee shops I mean sometimes I have a problem a bit like relationships on Coronation Street where um, they don't like to develop them they like put this couple together for a bit and then they split them up after a while because oh we can't think of any storylines other than get together maybe have a baby and then break up and sometimes characters get jobs and they're just in that job for a little while. But don't, let, let's let's just make him a teacher for good. I think, it, I can't, he's either going to be a teacher or a journalist, isn't he? And I'd, I'd probably he's rather he was a He's been a journalist already. Yeah, so, so I'd rather he was a teacher. But I don't like how disrespectful Coronation Street is. I do. Teachers. Yeah, but I did like Shona's line about the six-week holiday today because that is the classic thing that people who have got no idea about teaching say, isn't it? Like, oh, you must love that six-week holiday. I know, but... Daniel gave a bit of a look, but it didn't really fit right because Daniel literally... Spend... Has never had a holiday because he's never been a teacher. Well, no, that's right. He's never had a six-week holiday. Also, his workload doesn't seem to be too bad. He's certainly got the the work-life balance right, hasn't he? Because but... he he gasses lunch, breakfast in the cafe. He go gets into school. He he literally is a nine till three teacher, isn't he? I think. Yeah. But um, no, I, I thought that that was quite a funny line from Shona. It was. Yeah. I also like Shona talking about giving a teacher a nervous breakdown when she was at school. I thought that was good. But we Gemma, definitely did that to one of our biggest... teachers. It's really bad. I know, I know, but still funny to have Shona talking about it. I was the uh, most the biggest shock of the week for me this week is that the Edinburgh trips happened. I know they wouldn't Just even casual, take us with casually them. Casually drop that in. I wanted to go. That that was like 
clearly seem to be setting up a story where Daniel and Nikki go to Edinburgh together and uh, Daisy's jealous or what do they get up to what happens in Edinburgh stays in Edinburgh but no it's it's happened and they were they were organizing this over the Easter holidays weren't they so they literally started to organize it what six weeks ago (laughs) and now they've been and come back and it's all over well good great good job nice nice work i'm still i've got a residential trip coming up that i've been organizing on and off for the past what nine months or so it's driving me nuts at the amount of organization it takes but um anyway no you're just making a mountain out of a mountain i'm very very surprised that they didn't go down the route of let's send them off to edinburgh and and get them together in a hotel room or can i just point out that they went to wales to film this scene for no don't bring that up again we've already apologized we've already said they go to maybe that's why they spent all that money on going going to wales they should have gone to scotland yeah 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 (laughs) um i mean uh, what do you think about Tracy's behaviour? Do you think that she's um, being unreasonable in her... Well, it's her kid. Mm. She seems to be being written as being unreasonable. But, but if you think is, about it, you probably would be. She is taking it out on Daniel when it wasn't Daniel that did it. I think she's kind of misdirecting her anger. No, no, no. What? Well, yeah, but what Daniel did is still keep quiet. <sighs> yeah, I agree. So I, I'm, I'm not particularly enjoying seeing her... Um, you know, bad-mouthing him and, uh, and slanging is, though, in the script. I, I just haven't really got time for it. I wasn't invested the in it. The Barlows are I, quite I like understand. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she'll just kind of forget about it. I, it seems to be one of those things that, yeah, she will, you know, we'll come back to them six months later and they'll be friends and we didn't actually see the making up. A bit like, mm. you know, now how Billy and Todd are best mates again. <laughs> um, right, let's finish off with the Halo story with a bit of Jacob Hay and Amy Barlow. Um, my favourite new couple on the street at the moment, and they're having a bit of a rough time in their flat because they got a, they got a leak or something, or the electricity's been turned Both. off. Yeah, it's um, they they haven't got the money, cost of living increase, etc. Um, and um, so we had Daniel coming over to them and saying, "Amy, thank you very much for talking Tracy down because this is." A part of this is crossing over with that other story at, at times this week I had the two stories together but um, Dev tells Steve and Tracy later in the episode that Amy had been struggling to pay her groceries the other week so they're starting to worry that she's struggling moving out with her boyfriend Jacob um, and then we get a scene speaking of Jacob in the cafe where Mary kind of comes out of the, out of the box going Oh, that's better. I know. <laughs> Jacob's there and offers her a seat, and because uh, and she's she wants a beer, beer, tea. Yeah, she'd been sent off by Tracy to go and get her order book, but she took a detour to the cafe instead. And Jacob's like, oh, I'll, and I'll go and get tea. it for you. Yeah, that's right. That's and it's awesome. at her house. Yeah, yeah, over at Eileen's house at number eleven. Jacob says, "I'll go and get it for you." Because he's such a lovely chap. He is. But, but he's got an what he wants, motive. he's got an ulterior motive. He wants to go and have a secret shower. He should have invited Amy over at least. Um, so we get to see, and I'm sure Jack James Ryan's uh, fans or a certain uh, number of those uh, of the fans appreciated his towel scene coming down the stairs. Why would you do this? <laughs> like, if you're having a secret shower at someone's house and they could literally come back at any moment. And who lives there at the moment? Eileen, does Sean live there? I can't I think remember. So. Does he? Maybe he doesn't. Todd, Todd lives there at the moment, doesn't he? I think so. I don't think Sean does. George stays there. Just casually flaunting your nips around the house. I don't even walk around our house with a towel. <laughs> no. I don't flaunt my nips anywhere. 
No, That's you don't. You it's very to. true. No. But anyway, so he kind of asked for it, but it was a funny scene, kind of shimmying down the stairs and he sprays his deodorant under his arms and he kind of bends over and sprays it up under up, up <laughs> to his bits. Um, I thought that was quite funny. And then Eileen comes like, ah, oh, what are you doing here? Drags him outside. and. Can like, I just say, if you saw a mat, if you saw someone you kind of casually know and they were spraying deodorant up there, what's it, with a towel around them, would you assume that they'd had a shower in your house or... I don't know. Would you assume that they were doing some kind of weird perverted ritual? I don't know. I don't even know how well Eileen even knows Jacob, to be honest. No. So, um, anyway, she throws him out onto the street. Mary's there with Tracy as well. They kind of rush over. It all comes out what happened. And, and Jacob's saying, oh yeah, my lackey's been turned off. And I just really wanted a shower. So Tracy drags him back to number one and gives him the Spanish Inquisition about what's been going on exactly in this dodgy flat. And it transpires that although it is a council place, it's in his sister's name. So it's all a bit, um, it's not really above board what's going on there. Tracy um, asks him a bit about his parents. He says his mum's been in and out of prison. His dad's never been interested in him, but he's really, really trying to turn his life around and you know, getting together with Amy is a step towards being a, a, you know, a functioning member of society. And Tracy says, look, Amy can't stay in this flat with you any longer. She can come back to live with me anytime you want, though. And Jacob's like, no, she's not going to come back. She's, she's putting her foot down about this. Um, and, he, and then he goes off and says, um, oh, look, I just, I just don't want to let Amy down. Um, I want to be a good boyfriend to her and and that's kind of it really that was the, the gist of the conversation and um, I just thought it was great because I I absolutely think Jacob is wonderful yeah I think he's really he's just he's, so bloody charming he's isn't he he's such a refreshing character on the street there's not very many other people like him because he's in a different age bracket to the rest of the younger characters. Yeah. Where he's kind of on the cusp, isn't he, of adulthood. Mm. And the others are a bit younger. He's, he's more like Nina's age, isn't he, I think, is he? I think it's so, yeah. Difference. I mean, Th- Jack himself years, is 25, but I think Jacob's supposed to be a bit younger, yeah. Those years are, are very... Make, it's not just your maturity levels, but your life experience differs so much every year of your life when you're that age. Mm. So to have, like... To have him is interesting because you've got, you know, you can see that, like, say, for example, Ardy's, like, right almost there just behind him, but he's not quite there yet. He's not independent. He doesn't have to survive on his own. Mm. And, like, Jacob's, you know, Jacob's had a hard life and he's not got anybody to rely on. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy watching him. He's just he's just He's one a proper of these... working class lad as well, not like the rest of these blooming, you know. Yeah. You've got, you've got um, Ardy and Asher who are masquerading as um as working class kids but you know their dad <laughs> goes golfing owns owns a string of businesses mm. you know we're watching um old episodes of Coronation Street at the moment where he's dating a woman and trying to help her fit out her art gallery oh dev is yeah he's, yeah dev yeah he's the dating tara um jacob's proper hard you know hard scrabble i've got nobody but myself to, i've got to uh, live on my cunning got, and yeah, my wit and my charms. I've got to charm yeah. myself through life. I really like I th- him. The, the, He's the an scene, urchin. Yeah, yeah. We the, like urchins. The, in the, the scene with Mary where he was like, "Oh, you sit here, love." He's just like. <laughs> confidence and and, and yeah, he's confident. wonderful and lovely. I do and like that. The comparisons between him and Graham Proctor are definitely well yes. deserved. Now, another... He also reminds me a bit of like, you know, when we had David and That's Darryl exactly Morton. what I was about to say. David, Daryl, Graham. Yeah. They, those kind of bunch of lads miss that. Mm. 
is that, yeah, like Simon obviously Simon isn't anything is like that, and, no. and and Ardy does have his charms. But I love Ardy, still, but he's not the same kind of. He's person. not the same. He, no, he he does come across as being a bit posher, doesn't he? <laughs> and, he's like, and, he's, and they're not giving him the stories either. I, I'm baffled as to why Adam Hussein is still after what two years in the show, just been relegated to the odd scene here and there. I don't know it's, what it's, he's, he it's might crazy. be studying. No, I, no, I don't think. No, I think he's left school. Um, but anyway, might, Mr. Least, might be continuing his education, Michael. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He might be on Duolingo like me. Um, I, I, I just, I just think it's fab. But him and Amy keep them together forever. I'll be really sad when they split up. Um, don't do it, Coronation Street. Um, interesting that they have um, started to put a little bit of a backstory in for Jacob as well. I was interested to hear about his mum. Are we going to see her sometime? Are we going to see his sister? Well, his sister's Lydia, right? Oh, no, no that's, that's, real that's in real life. <laughs> Although, I thinking, maybe. I was thinking, oh, yeah, his sister has gone. That makes sense. She, no. she ran off when she was fighting with Adam. <laughs> uh, I think that this could be a bit like you've got, you know, Gemma comes in as a bit of a scoundrel, goes good, moves into the street as a permanent character, in comes Brother Paul, Mum Bernie. Oh yes, chain immigration. And then we all get sick of Jacob by the end of it when he's had his quintuplets, I don't know. Oh God. So um, anyway, for now, absolutely loving him. And uh, that is it. I feel so sorry for for these two. They don't understand that it's okay to ask for help when you're so young and you're struggling. Mm. Also, like, they are both earning wages, although she's trying to study at the same time. Mm. Just feels like they're trying to run for like more (laughs) crazy kids. Can you please, for the benefit of me and the listeners, for the benefit rate of the tape. this week's Coronation Street out of five? What I are you giving it? I'm going to give this, I reckon, for Lucky Burglars. <laughs> for Lucky Burglars. I was thinking you might go for that. <laughs> oh, that's a good score this Because week. it was good. I mean, the, the most boring bit of it was the Max stuff. Yeah. Max and Daniel yeah, and everything. Sure. Really for dull. Sure. I didn't think it was really dull. I it did. just wasn't quite so... Quite I, don't, I don't care. It's because I don't care. What's well, one the thing dilemma? that's interesting no me about Max anymore. is that is he nice or not? And I'm kind of like a bit on edge. And like every time he yeah. says, "Oh no, I want to turn the corner," and oh, I don't I believe look, it. I, he, yeah, I, I don't. It's a bit, he's unsettling when he's yeah. smiling. It's like you're waiting for him to stab you. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I don't know. Was I going to go for poker? Um, I don't think there are. Oh no, but Wednesdays was pretty good. Oh, what the heck. I'll give it four as well. Ooh. I'm going to give it four handbags <laughs> out of five. Character of the week this week. Well. I'm kind of... Have you got any... Are you got anything you, you're edging towards? I'm having a little look and I don't know. I mean, Jacob was awesome, but he wasn't a big enough part of the week maybe to, to win this time. Um, <laughs> I should give it to John Stape just for still getting a shout out. <laughs> How many years after he died? Um, is it, Abby was pretty good this week. Toy was lovely, but I don't think she's character of the week material this week. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed Tim this week. Honestly, I thought he was very funny with his with his pills and everything, and and definitely right to tear a strip off Sal at the end of today's episode. Um, do I give it? Mm. Gail? 
Gail was really funny. I was just thinking Gail was great. She got that, she got that great scene with Eileen today at the bench. Yeah, she did. She, she got, got the got, Eileen scene. She got yeah, the Richard's sexual frustration scene. She got the scurrying with the... She got to overhear somebody's conversation. I didn't like that. But. I know you didn't. Because it's such a rare occurrence yeah. and I don't think it's going to happen again anytime soon, I might give Gail a bit of a sympathy vote. Yeah, I'm going to give it say, to her. Fine. Character of the week this week is Gail. But there were some other decent contenders as well. So, um, that is it for this week's Street Talk. Let's move on to the news. Welcome to the cabin, everybody. We have got some breaking news for you. Well, it's not actually breaking, as I've only just found out about this. Thank you, Rebecca. You just sent me some news that I didn't know about that came out a couple of weeks ago. And this is to any Elizabeths out there, because Gemma, you don't know this one yet. If your name is... Is your name Elizabeth? I've got an Elizabeth in my name. Doesn't count. Middle names what? don't count. If your name is Elizabeth, get yourself down to the Coronation uh, Street tour this weekend because you get in for free. This is discrimination. You get in for free, Gemma, if your name's Elizabeth. No, I Because don't, it's I the Platinum Jubilee. I'm not behind this. You don't want... We weren't going to go anywhere. Is it this anyway. weekend? Are you sure? This weekend, if you go down... But it's not the Jubilee this weekend. Maybe it's not this weekend. I, I should have read this more carefully. Maybe it's next weekend. I know you're making me doubt myself now. I'm just having a little look on my Facebook. Jubilee weekend. It's next weekend. Breaking... No, it's not. It's two weekends. <laughs> Where's the house? This is so breaking South news. Wales? Right, right, everybody. If you go there on Saturday the 4th of June or Sunday the 5th of June, so that is in yeah. two weekends time, so you've got plenty of time to spare. If your name is Elizabeth, you will get in free if you take some ID along. Can't be your middle name. Can't be your what? surname. It's good, isn't it? No. Why? Because it's my middle name. I'm so close. It's like when I bet that Harry and Meghan would name their daughter Diana and I didn't get my bet because, yeah, that was their middle name. Yeah, you're close, aren't you? Now, this is, I think it's really cool. You've got to go along with somebody else who's paying. So all your single Liz's out there, you can't just go and well, rock up really, and say, I'm Elizabeth. Can I just say that's it's bloody rude? It's marketing technique. Because our real Liz is also single. She'd find somebody to go with her, I'm sure. So, anyway, um, I just thought you might like to know that. Any, if, no. Anything, if, you're, if you dare to take good. advantage of this, you're discriminating against everybody else, and I hope you feel proud of yourself. That's our first bit of news this week, everybody. <laughs> and, Gemma, yes. if you go there, they will be all buntinged up and everything. Bunting. It will all be lovely and dressed up will nicely they, Will it really jubilee. still be bunting up? No, they've, they've said that. I've read the article. They're oh. going to do it all up nicely. It's a proper jubilee I weekend at Coronation Street. I think it's really cool. Hooray for the Queen. You're just jealous that your parents got jealous. your middle name and your first name wrong, the wrong, the wrong, the round the wrong way. Gemma. Um, I don't know how much we want to say about the trailer that's come out this week. One, because it could potentially be spoilery. It's spoilery. And two, because we've already talked about it on YouTube. But they have released this week, um, on Monday night, I think, yeah, a new trailer for Britain's Got Talent Week. Britain's Got Talent Week is coming up the week of the 30th of May. And this is the first time in, oh, I want to say maybe three years, maybe, that they've actually done something properly for Britain's Got Talent. Um, bit different to usual where I think Coronation Street has tended to be on for like half an hour every day at 9 o'clock this time they're going back to 7.30 but it's still going to be one night a week one every night for a week so we're going to get five half an hour episodes I guess so it'll be a bit of a shorter one um, but there's going to be lots of drama aplenty and um, there is a trailer for it out I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that Imran and Abby feature in the trailer but 
yeah, I, I, we can't we can't really talk about it too much because if people you're might be interested, to avoid it. we have got a, a very in depth, serious, very scholarly to be taken wholly um, seriously trailer analysis where we have broken down this thirty second trailer meticulously into a 30 minute discussion <laughs> which reveals all the secrets all the secrets all the secrets like Find kev's, kev's um, scam of was a registration plate scam in fact we no, didn't we didn't even, we didn't even reveal that, that. this is exclusive so if you've watched that you pointed out that that kevin's maybe got a a um, personalised number plate in the garage nearly personalised and right. then you put it into the dvla website no afterwards. i tried to sell it and and it turns out that it's not even it's a real not even car. a real license Shocking. plate, which means it is even more meaningful. Yeah, those letters, definitely, they're but telling us something. It's not not too spoilery. I mean, you know, we're incredibly spoiler adverse. It's one of these kind of arty trailers. It's not one that's here's a collection of clips that's going to happen on that week. It was something that was very specially filmed. That was really nicely done. I love the concept for it. Um, very intrigued as to what it will mean about what's going to be happening the week after next. But if you are completely one hundred percent spoiler free then maybe don't you don't want to, no, watch, don't it watch it because I wouldn't there's even something that happens it. in there that will make you think okay i think that this particular kind of thing is going to happen that week what were you going to say you wouldn't have watched it i wouldn't it? have watched it but i was um i was forced into it by Gemma, peer pressure we, we yes we were we were <laughs> assured that it wasn't spoilery at all um, but I, I, I think I'm, I'm glad that I watched it. Partly just because I'm glad that we did the trailer analysis because that was a lot of fun to do. We just we were watching Coronation Street on Monday night, weren't we? After seeing the trailer earlier in the day, and I was like, oh, I've got an idea. This is a thing that people in the internet do. They they painstakingly comb through details, mostly insignificant details that we add give significance to about trailers. So we gave it a try. It's a, it was quite it's fun. a tongue-in-cheek thing because this is not real. If it it would have made more sense to have done. One that's based on clips, because then you can say definitely this will happen, and what is it? I would mean? not have wanted to have done that. I think no. because it was a not based on clips when we felt safe to watching it. But I will, like I say, I'll repeat again: if you haven't watched it because you're worried about spoilers, don't watch it. Don't watch it because it might put some ideas into your head about where things are going with that particular Abby and Imran storyline. Um, okay, so anyway, I can't two weeks it time, thirtieth of May, seven <laughs> thirty. Watch it. Um, and I think there wasn't very much else news this week. Like you said in the Street Talk segment earlier, we did get Georgia Taylor on the rain today, didn't we? Oh. Live from the cobbles. We got to see her in her uh, the Battersbeeb flat. Um, I love that because you don't... I think that, that um, Toya and Imran's flat set is a lot bigger than you really get to see. Yeah, I it's agree. It's kind of like Adam and Sarah's where there's stuff in the distance. You're like, what? There's another room back there. Yeah, or the bit in the background. I want to. I'm sure. I'm not. I'm sure. I would hope that at some point, again in the future, we'll get to do a, a an inside set tour. And I'd really, really love to go inside their flat just to have a look at those bits at the back because everything yeah. always happens like in the sofa area, doesn't it? Maybe a little bit of kitchen. She was just she was just oh. saying about oh yeah, it's nice working on Coronation Street. It, it didn't give any spoilers away yes, for things did. that I didn't not for things that I oh, didn't know no, about. That, but I'm telling but you, there are spoilers in there. There's a spoiler in there. Um, but there's there's a there was a cool bit at the end where um, she gets the cameraman to spin yeah. round and you can see what she could see, which is all of the the 
the set, the, the, the rest of the set, the rest of the set, and, and what's the backs the, of the, what's what's inside the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really cool. Nice uh, to see, nice to see Georgia. She's she so gave lovely. a very spirited interview. I love her. And so much. Um, then, and also this week we had um, Jack James Ryan doing the interview circuit, didn't he? I think he was in the papers, but he was also on Lorraine um, speaking to her earlier this week about. Um, the fact that the, what's going on with Amy at the moment, but also also his character, Jacob. yeah, yeah, his character Jacob, <laughs> and also about the testicular cancer that he had when he was nineteen, which That's is I well, I think we'd known before that that was that was the case, but he's starting to speak quite openly about it um, this week, and he was talking about supporting the Teenage Cancer Trust, and um, well, he's in a position where his story can help people. Yeah, he was, and and, and you know, obviously, uh, naturally, I suppose he was saying, oh, it'd be good if Coronation Street could do a story about. About this they did do a kind of a cop-out testicular cancer story with Robert a few years ago didn't they do you remember yeah he had it for a bit and then it went and it was like well that was a bit of a blip in there so maybe having something that was a bit more developed because Jake um, sorry Jack's story um, and he went into more detail in a newspaper article that I read the other day where he found the lump he kind of screamed and had to go and show his mum and his uh, and his sister Rebecca oh and then back to the doctors or to the doctors the Awful. next day That's and scary. it was um it was a trainee female doctor oh. with a male doctor kind of supervising there having to have a feel about and he and then he talked oh, no. in that and then on the rain about having to get one of the testicles removed and getting a new one put in it kind of really affected his self-confidence oh. for a good year or so but um yeah he is he's spreading the word to get yourself well, check yourself check out, yourself. lads. Know your body. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I think he's a, an excellent spokesperson. He's really, he's very level-headed. He is, like Jacob, a very charming, charming. chap. charming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Despite all the pictures he puts on Instagram of him putting his middle finger up to the camera. Which does is, he do that? He does do that. That's absolutely awful. I, I know. cannot condone that The youth that of behavior. today. How dare you? How saucy. <laughs> oh, I loved, I love <laughs> I love him. Right, um, I think yeah, that's, that's about it. There, there, again, we've got another Cabin Extra coming up later. I didn't know whether to bother putting this you in Cabin Extra, but we, so, why not? Imagine in the future, like... Look at my pit. This is my granddad, and then there's somebody going with their finger over the camera. And this is my grandma. Why has she got dog ears? <laughs> it was just a filter. Yeah. What will people think of? You know, us? like you know, like these days when you have like ancestry, um, you know, you have like, oh, can you please restore this black and white photo that's like faded and crinkled? I need to. I want to mm. show my grandma this picture of granddad when he was in the war, but it got blown up. And then they come and they do it. There'll be like people painstakingly unfiltering dog ears and yeah. noses off of people. <laughs> so they can see what they really look like back in the days <laughs> of 2022. Oh, those brutal days. Mm. Right, um, let's do some feedback, I think. Okay. Feedback time. We have got a feedback section for you this week, everybody. I expect you're expecting this because that happens every week for the past 10 years. 4.05 was the score that our lovely Very listeners good. voted last week's Coronation Street. A strong score, and that includes Rachel, who gave it four and a half livers Ooh. that look like foie gras yes, out of five. Please. I missed that story this week. We had no thorn this week. I missed Mr. Thorn bringing back. Richard voted it four supercilious and arrogant surgeons out of five. And Jonathan was my pick of the week uh, this week, who <laughs> gave it four slap up meals that turn out to be yet another trip to the bistro. <laughs> oh, so true. Gemma, I'll pass over to you uh, to read out our uh, first email of the week. I'm going to have a slurp of tea. 
Nancy. She says, Mr. Thorne is a good villain. I agree he should be long term. Michael and Aggie need to get together some way to bring him down. Mr. Thorne pulled a surprise when he said he was going to Philadelphia for a new job. So you said Philadelphia as well. Yeah, and I, I said it's Florida, so you must be right. Um, I wonder if they will hire him now. Do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, if there are more doctors that feel like Mr. Thorne, Peter will need to make it his mission and form a group. <laughs> I can imagine him doing like an Avengers, but a really crap version. <laughs> he could use that blanket that he threw himself, that he was wrapping yeah, himself in, and use it as his cape, yeah. <laughs> Orange juice man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's already a super villain called OJ and uh, I wouldn't like to have him coming after me in the dark. Nancy says, I do not understand why people think that Imran does not have any rights as a father with regard to Alfie. He loves him just as much as Abby does. Why are childless women being made into villains? Toya has a lot of love to give. I would think Abby would realise how lucky Alfie is to have two other people besides herself that love him. Even though Ben lied about the drugs, Imran is still Alfie's father. Imran can say Ben was blackmailing him as a defence. I think that would be another He, he can try, but I don't think it would go down well with the courts, really. <laughs> um, she says, Charlie DeMello, Georgia Taylor and Sally Carmen are doing a wonderful job with this storyline. Absolutely agree. I give this week's episode three and a half selfish shares of foie gras out of five. <laughs> the character of the week is Mr. Thorne. A selfish share of foie gras. That's when you give yourself a whole like dessert spoonful and then you get a little teaspoon on the edge of your plate. And you've just been selfish about taking a greedy portion. Right, Richard. Now, this email did come in before we recorded last week's episode, but I forgot to put it in the notes. I do apologise, well, Richard. you are a cretin. We don't have it. We, we, we don't have many other feedbacks this week, so, uh, Richard, you, you can Sorry, be one Richard. of our main ones. He says that he hopes we both enjoyed the street as much as he has this week, i.e. last week. One storyline which I particularly enjoyed is the Kirk and Jacob salesman one at Underworlds. Interesting. In my younger life, I worked in a consultative sales environment for many, oh. many years and worked with, for, and managed a lot of different personality types. Personally, if I were Carla, oh, I, love this. I would be doing all I can to develop both Jacob and Kirk within sales. Jacob is a potential sales superstar. He's driven because of his wrong side of the track's upbringing because he now wants to settle down with his partner. He's cheeky and witty and I would buy from him. He's yeah. proven already that he's focused on turning his life around and has convinced the likes of Simon and Steve to give him another chance. Kirk is very likeable, albeit a buffoon. He's a loyal companion, a company man, and is proof of the old adage that people buy from people, evidenced by him completing some tricky deals already, albeit he doesn't seem to know how he did it. <laughs> Kirk is the missing is missing one key sales attribute, self-confidence. Underworld could do a lot worse than investing Kirk's development through confidence and assertiveness oh. type training. His increasing buffoonishness seems to have kicked in when he first got with Beth. <laughs> Maybe a more confident Kirk would find a new partner who doesn't suck the life out of him <sighs> I did that would be kind of interesting sending Kirk on a course for you know six months and then coming back coming back like Raquel coming back from Kuala Lumpur no no Kuala no, Lumpur. no she didn't go to Kuala Lumpur did she she just went on her um, massage training Milton Keynes Mil was it I think it was Milton was it <laughs> I was going to say Milton Keynes. <laughs> Everyone comes back from Milton Keynes with like a new person. I mean, some characters certainly could do with a reboot. It's not even saying it's out of character. In some cases, it's just, I'd like this character to go back to how they were when they first came into the programme. Yeah. And Kirk was certainly not quite so dumb in the early days. Um, classic Coronation Street this week on ITV3, we got to see Andy Wyman's first appearance. 
Mm. at um, Jack and Vera's housewarming party. Um, Richard continues, I would hire both Jacob and Kirk without a moment's hesitation and give Jacob the added responsibility of mentoring Kirk. Uh, would you think Kirk would like to be mentored by somebody so much younger than him? He didn't like um, Craig bossing him about, did he? Or did he? No, Craig didn't like Kirk bossing him about. That was the other way around, wasn't it? I yeah. really enjoy this analysis of their sales potential. This is something I never thought about. I'm still not convinced about Kirk. He is a nice guy, but I think you've got to have a bit of nous to you if you're a salesman, and, and Kirk really, really Yeah, doesn't. but there's something to be said for feeling... He has feeling, a hole. <laughs> feeling like you're having one up over somebody. And if you're selling, as long as you're selling a product and you, you, and you believe in it, if the person thinks that they're, they're getting a better deal off of you because you're an idiot and they think you've outsmarted... You've outsmarted them but you actually haven't mm. doesn't that kind of give you a secret superpower as a salesperson I, I guess it could that's one way of putting it I, yeah, no, I, I couldn't work in sales do you think I wonder whether I could I think I'd ha- I do I think you have to be a bit, well, a bit I, dishonest well, actually, and a bit I, sneaky I think probably I'm a little bit too honest we have we have done retail jobs both of us individually yeah yeah which is not the same as working in sales but it's kind of similar I think I'm maybe nice enough not to toot my own horn. I think I might, people might like me, maybe. I don't know. That sounds very arrogant I can arrogant sell something I believe in. Because like, we used to go to trade events and sell. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We sold your magazine, didn't we? But uh, anyway, like 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 Daniel, I am uh, tied to the chalkboard. Um, Richard continues, I tend to forget who else works in Underworld sales team, but I think it might currently be Faye and Michael. Yes. Yeah, it is. Does... Is Tonya working at the moment? She's got a baby, Michael. Don't be so insensitive. Okay, she's on, she's on fake maternity leave. She's on maternity leave. leave. Um, Fraternity leave. <laughs> Fraternity <laughs> leave. Faye has a lot of bad luck in her life for one so young. Much of it self-inflicted, admittedly. But maybe working with more dynamic colleagues would make her raise her own game. James is a really good guy. You don't mean James, you mean Michael, don't you, Richard? Michael is a really good guy with an entrepreneurial drive and appears to deliver when he can apply himself. I believe the Underworld sales dream team of Jacob, Kirk, Faye and Michael would clean up, so to speak, in the Northwest Knicker world. Well, let's find out, because, I don't know, something's got to go on with the factory, hasn't it? Because it seems to be on life support at the moment. Rebecca, she's written in and she says, to start off with, Mr. Thorne is the best villain Corrie has had in a while. He's so smarmy and cocksure of himself. It's brilliant. I don't know how long he's going to stick around for, but I kind of hope it doesn't fizzle out in a few weeks. Chris Gascoigne is also doing a fantastic job as Peter and I loved his scene with Ken when he was basically saying what we were all saying about Thorne. I do want to see more of Aggie though and hopefully if this story is in this week's episodes she'll be in more as I think this week was showing Peter's side of the situation. It was not. I think Thorne thought Carla would... This weekend episode, I mean. (laughs) I think Thorne thought Carla would go to dinner with him as he's that cocky. I'm glad Carla shut him down. I also knew there was no way the story would end with Thorne quietly retiring. I'm so glad Toya is showing to the audience some compassion and guilt over Alfie, but that's what I've been feeling anyway over Toya. I really want Toya to have a child in some shape or form, but I have a feeling it won't be Alfie. I'm assuming Imran won't either turn up for the naming ceremony. What's wrong with just naming it a christening? (laughs) Or will turn up late, but then confess to Toya that they have to give up Alfie due to his naughtiness. Either way, I think Abby might end up with Alfie by the end of the week, or they might just drag no. it out to the end of Britain's Got Talent week. Maybe. Oh, and I loved Adam's hair as well in Friday's episode. 
I'm wondering if Arid might be hiding something from Summer, but I feel bad for her. She thinks it's because she's not good looking enough, and I don't think it is. Oh, yeah, we didn't have any of that this week either, did no. we? Now, what was Summer doing? She was being rude to Max. Oh, yeah, she was he, She was telling him what cud was. What's cud mean? Regurgitated grass oh, yeah. that cows eat. Oh, something uh, else that we oh, didn't Oh, that's so, uh, so fancy and highfalutin, only an Oxford student. I know something else that we didn't mention on this week's Street Talk. Sally's floppy cucumber. <laughs> We've all somebody, got one, haven't we, in the fridge? Somebody in the props department's like, right, I'm going to buy it. Okay, when do I need this buy? Okay, this day I'm going to have to go to Tesco and get myself a cucumber. And if it's not floppy enough I'll, the night before, I'll take it out of the fridge. <laughs> um, she says, I'm lo- I've lost it now. Okay. Um, I love RD. He's so sweet. And I agree that Ash's skin lightning was done better. Great to see Fizz and Phil's big house. It's got a name, so it must be posh. Although Tyrone giving the eclairs to Phil was just too sad, but Tyrone brought it on himself. It's creatively going out with one of the cheeky girls. Also, worry about the horse. Hope was riding. I love Jacob taking the sale for Kirk, although I don't know how I feel about him working on sales. I feel he shouldn't be working at the factory. Also, I'm glad Kirk is back on packing. Conflicting opinion between Rebecca and Richard. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> Enjoyed the George Filler stuff on Monday's episode, but I assume this will now be put to bed. <laughs> for a couple of weeks now. Good one. Finally, Tim and Sally. The most entertaining bit was thinking Sally had a plant in her bag, but it's a bunch of carrots. I don't really need this. <laughs> Character of the week is Peter, just due to the fact he was in War of Fridays, episodes in Thorn, but it was that close between the two of them, and I give it this week four big houses called Avondale out of five. Lovely. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And thank you to everybody for listening. We have got our cabin extra coming up very, very soon, where we'll talk about some more cast news stuff that came out this week. But until then, if you would like to get in touch, please do, because we didn't have very many emails this week. We are at conversationstreet.gmail.com. They better be we've lost do. all credibility. But why, well, after our Wales after gaff? <laughs> yeah, I know. A, you didn't play. Are you going to play... Oh no, yes, I didn't play it, did I? Did I say I was going to yes, play it? Yes, you did. Oh, I'll play it then. We'll play it at the end here. We'll put Al's message in. Yeah. Right about now. Just going to write down where it is. This is Al saying it's his sorry fault. for the Wales thing. Two hours 34 into the podcast, thereabouts. But um, yes, we're on Patreon, we're on Facebook, have you, have we're on Twitter. I've just put it in right now. Hi there, this is Welsh actor and writer Al Parr. I need to make a huge apology, not only to Michael and Gemma, but to everyone within the Conversation Street community. (laughs) In an attempt at trying to be funny, I posted a photo of myself last Friday outside a big red house saying, look at me outside Fizz's new house. When in fact, I was outside the house used for the Sarah Jane Adventures, which was filmed in Cardiff. A lot of people didn't understand that I was joking, trying to make a joke at both houses looking similar. That ended up in Michael and Gemma saying in the podcast that Coronation Street had gone to Cardiff to film this scene. That is not true. I am so sorry for um, spreading fake news and misinformation, and I hope I can be forgiven in good time. Thank you very much. Bye. Oh, yes, thank you, Al. Do you didn't need to apologise. That was, he did Cheeky a bit of Welsh chat. then. He did. Do you, think, do you think it was Welsh for suckers? I think, <laughs> I think it was, yeah. Right, just contact us. Al, that's fine, place. it was our fault. It's, well, it's Michael's fault. <laughs> Not my fault. Thank you very I, much. I'm ignorant, I don't I know I love anything. Welsh accents as well, so thank you for, it is lo- thank lo- you for writing in. 
Um, Don't right. start Coronation Street writing podcast it. because speaking it. <laughs> you'll smash us with that beautiful voice. You will, you will. Um, right, should we move on to our cabin extra? This is the cabin extra. Don't listen, everybody, if you don't want to know about something else that's going to be happening to our lovely cast list over the next few months, I guess. Because what is happening is Melanie Hill is leaving. Oh. I know, it is a bit of an oh, isn't it? It's kind of a bit of an oh, but an also a... She's still in the show? Because what is... Bitching. It's not... I mean, it's, I'm not bitching about Melanie Hill. Mel's lovely. Mel's great. Um, I've, I've, I've walked home from... To, I've walked her back to her flat before. I've been on a quiz team with her. I've interviewed her. It, She's absolutely wonderful, lovely lady. Few people can say. It, it's, it's absolutely. I've, I've walked arm in arm with Melanie Hill through Media City. Um... <laughs> I, 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 I'm Something really, about really changes sad. changes when that happens, isn't it? I'm it? really, really sad that... I'm Not that the character's going, because the character has just been fairly absent or used poorly for the last few years. What I'm sad about is that they've given up trying to make the character interesting, and she's such a talented actress, and she's been in... She was in loads of stuff before Coronation Street, where she was able to play kind of a whole range of roles. She's really good at the serious stuff, the few things that I've seen her in. But she's fantastic. That... I really... I'm sorry, I really like Cathy. I think Cathy's a brilliant character. I enjoy her. Um... I love I, the hoarding stuff. I found when, the, the Roy stuff very interesting when she first got together with him. But just in the last few years, when, they've made her a bit silly. Did she take drugs that time? Do you remember when she was that, walking down yeah, the stairs? That's, going, I think that's my favourite <laughs> favourite Cathy scene, doing her magic mushrooms. She's, when she's scatty, time. she's so funny. I love no, her. No, I think that she. I think that they've. Well, I think they've leaned into that a little bit too much. I wanted to see a bit more happen? serious stuff. And it's that. Well, this, this is what. Um, this is what Mel has said. The interview was in the mirror earlier this week. Um, it's not been an easy thing to decide. My family's been an important, but the pandemic has made a lot of people think about the future. It's changed a lot of things in my head. You just got to see what's important to you. I absolutely love everybody, but it's made me think about my family a lot and what priorities there are in my life. I've been at my mum's for two weeks and what's nice is I've got the freedom to do that because soaps are all pretty relentless. You never stop really. I think um, Kathy Matthews has stopped a little you, bit excuse recently. Excuse me. But she's... you're always on call. My sister Samantha normally helps See, look after call. my mum. Okay. But she's in hospital with a smashed leg. It's lucky that I finished shooting just over two weeks ago so I'm here the whole time. So this is going to this is kind of put in a time frame. So I think Coronation Street is, what, six to eight weeks in advance that they film at the moment. So I'm thinking that this is going to be... Eminent. End of June, early July-ish that we might be saying goodbye to Cathy. Um, if I was still working on Corrie, I'd have been going out of my mind with worry. I can't stand letting people down. And even if I have been ill, I would turn up for work. Now I don't have to worry as much. Um, she talks about uh, getting drama series. If you go into most series, you know it's got an end, but soap just goes on and on and on. So she's decided to call it a day. But she says Coronation Street has been fantastic. Um, I won't see where say where Kathy goes, but I'm a stone's throw away from Weatherfield. That is kind of interesting. She, yeah. What was the whole thing about Cornwall? Brian Bonnie wanted, wanted to, to go, go to Cornwall, Cornwall and she didn't. Mm. And that's weird, isn't it? That is very odd. Um, it's it's just sad because that they must splitting... have. Wait, how how much notice was given? You mm. think that when they were doing that scene, they would have known? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I why think, say I mean, that it, then? I think that when people leave Coronation Street, they give like a year's notice. I think. Well, it depends on when your contract. Depends, depends when your contract runs out and everything. It's sad that they're splitting up. Some people up. just go and never come back. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do like Brian to some extent, but I'd probably rather if Kathy was going 
for Brian to be going with her to live happily ever after and it's a lovely life in Cornwall together. And I'll, be, and I'll be just like, oh, well, yeah, the character didn't, characters didn't really work You're out. You're horrible. Well, no, I'm not. I'm saying they had, they both had potential. Brian was fab, especially in his early days. Peter Gunn is, is a really great, great performer. Um, but they've just, they've just not known what to do with the characters. We've not ever seen the inside of the house that they've been living in for I don't know how many years. But he's definitely not going, according to this interview at least, because she says Alex and um, Brian are still there, so the door is open for me to come back, and that's a great compliment. So she's not getting killed off. And, um, you know, it's interesting that she said about um, Alex being there, because Liam Bairstow's barely been in. He's been in, like, what, two, three episodes maybe since the pandemic started? Um, so I don't know whether we'll be seeing any more of him. We certainly couldn't be seeing any less. But it's just, it's very sad that Brian's going to be lonely on his own. Like he's going to get himself with another lady. Yeah, I wonder if they'd like... You know, what about Moira? That'd be a good, uh, good oh, pairing, yeah. wouldn't it? Now, what about um, Yasmeen? Brian and Yasmeen, potentially? I can't... I She's don't know got her that... beautiful stew. She has got a lovely stew, but... There aren't... There, I don't know whether there are many other characters. Gail. The right sort of age. Brian and Gail, maybe. They can be a bit buffoonish together. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have to give this a little bit more thought. But, yeah, in a way, I'm glad we're keeping Brian. But also, I'd like to see them go happily into the I sunset. Because I do like them as a couple. really hate it when people leave Coronation Street because they feel like they've been let, let down. Well, she's not said that as much. But, you, you, I mean, you, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, she's not saying that at all. No, she's I'm, not. I'm, I'm, no, I'm putting I'm, I'm, that on her. Yeah. And I don't... Um, I'm not trying to say that that is what she thinks at all. No. Um, I think if I was... That sentence might not even be related at all to what we're talking about. I think if I was in her position, it might cross <laughs> my mind, hang on a minute, that they actually want me in this programme. But it's difficult for Coronation Street to juggle so many people. And uh, mm. it's so difficult because we're always criticising how big the cast is. And we're always saying that they should really, you know, reduce it. Because it, I don't, genuinely don't think it's fair to have they've got so many talented actors and like like she was just saying like you're on call like sometimes you won't i don't know i i don't know how it, how it works but i do know that people sometimes end up in scenes that where they're covering for somebody else mm. sometimes that happens and i don't know how often you're really realistically asked to do that yeah. i don't know but i don't really think that's a fulfilling job for a, an actor yeah so these people have worked really hard to get to the top of their game and, you know, get cast in this really exciting show. Yeah. And then you end up being kind of put on a shelf and only brought out, you know, how many times a year. Yeah, exactly. And you can't do anything else. No, no. Oh, well, we've still got another month or so of Kathy left, at least. I, I, I get a feeling that we might, her exit storyline might be a, like a one-week kind of jobby, you know? Like, yeah, sometimes really characters have so. big run-ups to exits, like, you know, say, the Emma one, Emma's exit, we kind of saw coming this this year. We knew that she was leaving, but the story... It's basically, from the beginning of the year, the, the running over Ted with the car was, in a way, a lead-up to Emma's exit, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but I don't know why, though, because it wasn't exactly the it most... Wasn't, it wasn't a great one, but that's what it was. But then you also get... I mean, when, when Emily left... Um, when she went off to Peru, it was like, wasn't it like New Year or something? And then she got a week of thinking about going and then she went and then that was it. And and so that, that's certainly not um, unheard of as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we're just going to get a little little quick goodbye and then that'll be it. And um, And I don't think we'll see her again after that. But oh, well, oh, well.
I've enjoyed her for, for the, it's like seven years or something that she's been in it. It's been quite a long time. And that's about all I've got to say about that, really. I'm sure we'll have more to say when these scenes actually play out on our telly boxes. Um, we all done for this evening? Yep. Fancy going to bed? What time is it? Oh, half past twelve, lovely. Not quite as late as last week, but I've got lots of work to be getting on with this weekend. Hooray. So I think we will finish violence, it there. Violence. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See, this is the thing with Daniel and the teacher storyline. His story, his drama was all about horrible kids, which feels kind of obvious. And one, one reason that I want him to stay as a teacher is to see, could they explore the, um, the issue of teacher workload? Honestly, I really am mad at them that they haven't even considered or given any serious thought to this when teachers are leaving the profession in droves not because they pushed a kid down the stairs but because they can't handle mm. the incessant no it's not just the workload but it's also the the c- continual undermining of everything you do by a series of like blank faced clipboard holding idiots <laughs> who have a bunch of stupid tick boxes they've got to put in. A bunch of vipers and snakes. Yeah. They should all be shot. Yeah. Record that and send it to them. <laughs> right, let's finish Anyone this Anyone who works off. for Austin should be shot. Let's go. Let's go, Gemma. I'm going to start this episode right now. because. Who knows what I'll done. say next. We're done. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye. Die. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>